answer your motorcycle and motorcycle product related questions. Jimmy was live from Inside Line Moto and brought some guys on from there to help him out. It was a great show and uh, you're going to have to give it a whole listen. We're going to talk about motorcycles and motorcycle related products. This is show number 189. I can't believe we've done this 189 times. So, Tim, thanks for having me in your house. Yeah, thanks for, for having us on. And uh, we have a lot to talk about. We are, I, I told people we talk about blown up bikes. We do that quite often. Well, you don't blow them up. You just we you fix them. Fix them. Right. So, Inside Line Moto is a pretty much independent shop. Yeah. Off road shop, uh, all off road, supercar or motocross, uh, adventure touring stuff. No sport bikes, no cruisers, no BMWs. No BMWs. No. That's a little discriminatory. It is, it? but uh, we stick to that policy because we've we've tri- we've strayed from it a time or two, and uh, we come right back to it. Okay, St- staying away from the BMWs. Yes, is it because of the owners? <laughs> Partly, <laughs> but no more because uh, you need special tool just to check the air pressure in the tires. Special and, tool. and the owner requires that special tool yes. to be used. Yes. Right. So, uh, hey, Matt, you uh, you you alive there? I okay. Yeah, just check it. Uh, for once, I didn't have a technical issue. Uh, I was scared if it might be on your end, though. Sound Is like there feedback? Like, I'm not hearing it anymore, so I think we're good to go. Oh, so you were fixing some things? Uh, yeah, I lost my chat access for a second, but I brought it back up. But we should still be streaming. No worries. Okay. Just checking. Um, are are we going to be able to see the chat, or are you going to have to uh, chat us up? Oh, you didn't send me the link to the chat. It's the same link as always. It should be the same link. Well, I don't. I that means I have to go back like six weeks in emails to figure this out. See, there, there's already been a technical issue, yeah. and, it, and it wasn't my fault. The screw up counter yeah. begins. The, hey, yeah, where's the screw up counter? Uh, so it's right next to the dial that does the voice matron. Okay, I, you don't want me to play with that, <laughs> yeah? Because it it only, I I have no idea what kind of a feedback loop that would cause at this point. But uh, welcome everybody, welcome to the show. Uh, glad you're joining in live, uh, or if you're listening to this in podcast format, like they do here at Inside Line when they get super super bored, yeah, or they want to get really mad, then they listen to Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. There's not usually too much that makes us uh, annoyed, but. You know, it's uh, it's good background to uh, be listening to dirt bike, you know, uh, chatter instead of politics and everything else. Okay, well, it's it's good that, it, it, but it doesn't it doesn't make you mad. No, no. Sometimes we call you on it between us. We uh, we talk talk about how Jimmy might be, uh, you know, adding a little more uh, detail to things than uh, is necessary. Yeah, or is completely accurate. But you know, then oh. I'd send you a text to correct certain things. Right, and I bring it back up and correct myself. Yes, most you're, of the time. you're very good about that. I've no, I've no, I've no ego in this game. I've, I'm, I really. So the reason we do this show, the reason I do this show, the reason we're doing this show is to help people out, to to give them kind of a sort of a helping hand with their dirt bike problems, uh, whether they're going to get something new or they're trying to fix something old. Very interesting is uh, your co-owner here, at the shop, Matt Lewis, like yep. like the name, yeah. Yeah. So when we say Matt and, and, and Matt back here, uh, goes what? And Matt on the other line thinks what? he's messed up the program yeah. again. So, uh, so Matt Lewis 
interestingly enough, I had has a KTM 500. Uh, 450, 450. 18, 450 EXC, six days. Okay. <clears throat> so they all look the same to me, kind of like people. Yeah. Um, he had a very interesting problem where the bike, he shut it off and then it just didn't start back up. And this is a mechanic's own personal bike. And of course, he, he, he ended up getting it out, got it back here to the shop. And then when I came, I showed up a little early today and I said, I'd, I'd like to, I can help. And he goes, how would you like to diagnose this? And it's the same problem that we had on the show last week. Another guy with a KTM 500, I believe. I'm not sure exactly what year, but he had the same problem. And so the first thing, what did I say was the first thing when we started talking about I think this? your first guess was the relay. Relay. Same thing I said to him. That was Matt's first guess. Right. <laughs> Interesting. Just because, we, you know, it's it's a known kind of a thing. It can be a failure point. A bike that just stops and mysteriously doesn't start. If you're if you're familiar with the internets and the YouTubes and the comments and any post, everybody would have said ground wire. Yeah. And because I'm very respectful and I understand the people that we're dealing with, you know, high level mechanics or people that know what's going on, it's like we've already checked that, right? Well, and it was cranking and wouldn't start. Fuel right. pump wasn't kicking on. But it was cranking and would not start. So cranking solid crank means Generally we means, got good ground. Yeah, but doesn't matter. That's the first thing yeah, you, you always type check into the it. Well, yeah, you always check it. But that's the first thing you type into the chat room. Yeah, is oh check the ground wire. Yeah. Even though even though you know, don't know, but like you said, it was cranking. I kind of knew this. It can't be, but okay. So just out of respect, I didn't just go jump on the ground wire thing, and that's why you pay. Oh, you don't. It's this show's free. Yeah. Oh, that was free advice. But, you know, the, the next level of advice was relays. Okay. He checked that. He switched the relays around, which we've done. He had, and, and, I, and actually, I'm going to kind of stop this story because I'm going to have him come on later and we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll kind of diagnose it. But it's interesting that, you know, there, there's, there's probably how many, how many KTM, this platform KTMs you think are out there between lot. 2000, lots and lots of these bikes. And so we've just had this happen two times. So everybody knows that this is going to happen to every single bike. Wait, no, it isn't. <laughs> well, it's just interesting though, that we do this ourselves and we have these problems happen to our own bikes. We take it personally uh, because we know what people go through when you're on a big ride and all of a sudden, you know, your bike is dead. It's uh, it's a problem, you know? So it's not, you know, not quite like every other job, you know, it's, we know that it's, it's what we're passionate about. It's what do we all do for fun. And, you know, uh, we've been through, you know, we've been on that end of, of the, uh, you know, the uh, stick when, you know, our own bike dies, my own bike has died and it it's definitely a, a crummy feeling, but we know the things to check. Yeah. It happens. You kind of go through a system of like, okay, this is what it, from experience, this is what I've checked. The bike starts now. It, it does. It's here. It starts. It does. Uh, well, well, like I said, we'll get into this a little bit later, but I want to talk about kind of like this little, little bit of diagnosis and then just how you, how, how you do it. And like, and so is it's funny, just, is this a common thing? Like uh, every, every single, you've never seen a KTM two stroke TPI bike ever come in here that wasn't seized. Right. That's not true, but I have, we did recently have to rebuild one. Right, but it's but if you re, you know if you just kind of follow the internet, no, it's they it's, don't have clay pistons as I've heard. Oh, clay, they, is it, they're, they're not clay. clay. Oh. They're not clay. Huh. Maybe. Well, is it true that KTM started using muriatic acid for radiator fluid, and it, it started eating through the cylinder walls, 
And then that's what caused all the problems. No. no. Okay. I, I heard that one too. Yeah. Well, the interwebs can be, uh, you know, a blessing and a curse because you can get lost out there and all kinds of information that's, you know, less than accurate, but then, uh, sometimes it can lead you right to the answer to a problem. So it definitely goes both ways, but you got to know enough to kind of know how to read through the crap and then find the, right. the gems. The solution. Exactly. Cause they are out there. Good answer. And this, and speaking of gems and solutions and good things, this show would not be possible without the help of a lot of sponsors that we have. Uh, Tech Talk Taco Tuesday is brought to you first and foremost by Yamaha. I don't see any Yamahas in here. Do I? Oh, wait, no. Oh, yeah, there's a TW. TW200. Quite possibly one of the best bikes ever. Yeah, if you talk to us. auto collection that. They make them? No. Uh, there is a guy that makes it. You have to send out the hub, have it machined. The guy does it and sends you back the auto clutch. Yeah. So the reason that Yamahas are not in, in this uh, repair shop is because they, they, too reliable. they never need any repairs at all. And that's like the only reason I'm saying this is because Yamaha does sponsor the show. Yep. And the real reason they sponsor this show is they, they really like what we do. They say, Hey, you guys are doing a pretty good show. They want to support it. So I like to support Yamaha. Thank you to them. Of course, uh, Takamoto later on bringing you Rooster Endo. So what I decided is that you and Matt get to play paper, rock, scissors to see who gets to sit in here for Rooster Endo. Okay. Or one of you can kind of sit in the back and also yeah. just like, you know, point and say that's a good one or that, you know, you do, do this, that. But uh, love to have you on for that. Brought to you by Takamoto. Scott Sports, Climb, DDC, Trail Tech, Fast Company Flex Handlebars. Are you a Flex Handlebars guy? Uh, not on my dirt bike, just because Matt's got my suspension working so well, I don't need it. And oh, I'm a bit wow. younger than you. I'm a bit younger, quite oh, a bit huh. younger. But I do have them on my e-bike. Because the fast company flex handlebars make great. bad forks good. Yes. Yeah. You yes. can have really bad or harsh forks and you'd hardly notice Which it. is why I put them on my e-bike, because it felt like I was holding on to a jackhammer. going oh, On your hills. mountain bike? Yes. No kidding. Yeah. yeah. So it fixed that. Or yeah. It really helped that. I have them on my e-bike and this weekend I rode my analog pedal bike. Mm -hmm. It was mostly uphill, but there were some sections that were downhill that had washboards. Yeah. My wrist. Oh, the hell. You're old. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, seat concepts, uh, bulletproof designs and double take mirrors, all bringing you tech talk taco Tuesday tonight. You can also help us out by clicking through our Rocky mountain MCA TV links and Amazon Links on the website. Just go to the website, click the support us thing. Little thing pulls down. We need to get one of those link trees or something. You know all about this. Uh, you're big on the, the yeah. whole digitals and I'm the internet. Real big on all this. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll talk about setting those things up in the near future. I put Matt in charge of it, and then he went and tried to get a real job, and he doesn't. He doesn't pay much attention to any of this dirt bike stuff anymore. Um, for good reason, Matt, because you're getting torn apart in your uh, your new 450 intermediate level review. Torn apart? I thought a lot of people liked it so far. Well, I just looked at the one bad comment, and then I'm just going to start rubbing that in. The one and bad comment that said, where's the um counter? Yes. Oh, that's a fair count. Uh, that's fair. I wouldn't say that's bad. Actually, I think it, I thought the username said Asher, so I think that's Asher who watches the show regularly. Oh, he, so he's complimenting you by by uh, saying that you need to you know, work on the ums? I, I think he's giving me a hard time in good fun. Whoa. Yeah, that was a weird sound. Yeah, turn that knob back from where yeah, that that, that knob the, has nothing to do with the show. The show, the show seems to be going well so far, Jimmy. Don't don't touch a thing. Yeah. Well, I was just adjusting my volume here because you're a little you're a little overbearing in my uh, ears. Uh, got it. Kind of 
kind of like use it. What? Um, yeah, I well, I was just gonna, you know, say uh, where. So intermediate level um, is this? Is this the class that you're racing now? Intermediate about mid range in a Moran race. So I'd say maybe not intermediate in a uh, in like a District Thirty Seven race. Okay, so since you beat all of our, um, we'll call them uh, novice expert racers that do stuff for dirt bike tests, and not not the experts that you got to ride the four fifties with, and that's Trevor and Tyler, and those guys are fast, right? Yeah, yeah, they're they're pretty good. But I, I like, was by uh, far I was by far the worst rider there. Like it wasn't even close. Okay, so w- where where would we rank? Like, uh, remember Logan? He's hard to remember because mm-hmm. he doesn't talk much. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, Lo- Logan Tim, went. Uh, Tim, Tim here is going to talk about how Logan doesn't talk much, too, right? I, You're not going to pick on him? No, not at all. I never met the kid. <laughs> but you feel like you know him. Not really. Not really. Not really. Okay. So, so uh, Logan and Cooper, where are they? Where, where, where are those guys at level wise? Uh, well, let's see. We'll, we'll put. The guys I was with were pros. They're actually pros. I would say mm-hmm. Logan and Cooper would, if I'm intermediate, I'd say they're probably expert, but probably closer to my side of the spectrum than those guys that I was riding with. How 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 hard am I going to have to beat you up to knock you down to to novice? Uh, well, you could put me to novice if you want, but for marketing reasons, yeah. I don't know if that's really good to say. Oh yeah, we have a novice at our riding school, for teaching. You're a novice, a novice level racer, but an expert teacher. Yeah. Oh, for racing, yeah. Upsell. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure that's the best slogan. Um, he relates well, to the, more people are novices and beginners, and he relates to them. Yeah. Uh, I, I put myself his, as a, an intermediate trail rider. I didn't say intermediate racer. Intermediate trail rider. Yeah. I feel like that. I feel like that's a more accurate description. I don't think I ever said I'm a racer. I said intermediate trail rider. Okay, just picking on you. Yeah, yeah, you you, you can pick on me, but I I got my facts in line. Like we're we're, uh-huh. we're good here. <laughs> All good. <laughs> Anyways, okay. Uh, and 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 button pusher. Um, I'm an I'm a button pro pusher. button pusher. But uh, what are where are your your button pushing abilities as far as uh, related to this podcast? Uh, I would say I am a advanced, maybe expert button pusher here. Um, it's it's really easy to push down and up on a button but I can do it better than most. Got it. Um, I was button pushing a lot with, uh, with my new job. (laughs) Good. Okay. Uh, okay. You can go back to sleep now. The rest of the show will, you know, we won't pick on you. Sounds good. I've just been sipping on beers and, uh, checking the score of the Knights game. So what's the Knights Vegas golden Knights hockey Stanley cup. playoffs. Okay. (laughs) Okay. That's the one. That's, that's the one where they put the ball through the hoop, right? No, no, that's the puck in the net on the ice. <laughs> on the ice, right. I like to keep my beers not really on ice, but anyways. Okay, Matt. Uh don't don't leave us hanging and keep, you know, keep the chat questions coming because I can't see them. I sent you an email. Oh, okay, good. I'll try to fix that. Tim, now you have to take over. This is the part of the show where I would kind of like, I would, I would pretend like I'm gesturing, like I'm opening yeah. a bottle. Yeah. And 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 I and I, that was the throw to Logan. Well, but we haven't gotten any topics started yet. I thought uh, you were gonna, you know, you're sitting in front of a Husaberg piston. That I am. Uh, I was gonna give this one to Jimmy because it uh, still got some life left in it. 
And I know Jimmy <laughs> wants things that have life left in it. A little JB Weld right here. You can put that puppy in there and get at least another few hours out of it. So the interesting thing about this piston that's sitting, it's a, it's a Husenberg 570 piston. And they were, he was looking to show me some things that they have that were like blown up and he holds it up and he's walking around. And he's like, what did this come out? Yeah, of? I couldn't remember. Couldn't remember. And I just glanced at it. And I said, Husenberg 570. And then I remembered, because I was telling him earlier about a, the last Husaberg we worked on. It was about a year ago. Did a full motor rebuild, and I couldn't remember why. And then I dug through my junk box and found this. And he knew immediately that it was the Husaberg piston. And then it reminded me that, yeah, that's right. That's why that thing needed an entire uh, motor, because it was pinging. And it uh, broke off a piece of the piston because the top of the piston gets super, super heated when it's compressing the explosion. Um, you know, it's hard on everything, but definitely gets the piston real hot. Piece of it broke off, bent the valves, bent the rod, um, did a number on that one. But the guy, like Jimmy, loves it, loves his Why bird. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess there's that's a actually, whole other conversation. Actually, but. we have to put a bell in this kit now. In, yeah, in my that would be good. That would so, be I good. Can, so I can we start ringing the bell, yeah. when we, you know, grace the Husaberg with the endless compliments. Even in blowing up, it's it's still it could be one of the most powerful motorcycles you could ever ride. It, you know, it was running real good until it blew up. You know, right before it blew up was was making good power. So and Chris Hernandez needs uh, an inside line moto koozie. He's got them. He's, he's got a got boat full of them, I'm sure. A boat full? <laughs> yeah. Is that where you put him on the boat? Oh, he's got a, yeah. you know, he's, he's definitely uh, one of our river buddies. Got it. So, uh, anyways, uh, yes, if you're in the Orange County area and you do need to have your bike serviced by professionals, unlike me, who, you know, just make stuff up, uh, bring it down here. Cause even if it's a Husaberg 570, they yeah, can fix we'll it. Yeah, we'll work on it. Yeah. Just not a BMW. No BMWs, sorry. The Hoosberg is almost as weird as a BMW in Close. a lot of ways. And so are the owners. Actually. So are the owners. Really? Yeah, they're definitely in the you know, same used, category. You know, I used to race BMWs, right? Yeah, but that's that was a whole different. <laughs> no, that's, that's 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 weird too. I guess. Most people don't do that. It's the, is the Husaberg 570 one of the worst bikes to work on? Oh, ever? yes, absolutely. Right. Okay, absolutely. good. It's we, way up there. It's we got agree. a solid spot at the very near top of the podium. I'd have to think about it a minute to see if there's something worse, but definitely going to put it at the top until I right. I go through the roll. I, I like everything about it except for working on it. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Especially when you put a dual sport kit on it. Oh, extra wires. They Matt, love extra wires. Oh, Matt has a very even temper. Everyone that knows Matt knows he's a pretty calm and level-headed guy. Right. He gets a little steamed when he's uh, working on the Husaberg. Dual sport Husaberg. Because the way that subframe, sometimes it's a gas tank subframe. And the way those wiring harnesses have to pass through there when it's dual sport. So now you have extra wires more than stock. It was so I take that clump and it's, it's, it's like the size of my arm. It's big. And, and it, it, it needs to go in something that's half that size and it runs right. It's on the opposite side of the muffler, but yeah. is it close? It's close to the shock. I don't, or maybe it's close to the chain. I don't know. It's in a bad spot. There's and not then, space there. And then we put that 70 degree tank on there that gets a little bit thicker, but I take it and I wrap it in heat shrink mm -hmm. and I, and I, and then I, and then I put a, a really good thick, like kind of, um, like a plasticky, um, hardening stuff on it and zip tie it. And so like when that wiring harness, when I'm done with it, doesn't move and it's on all three of my five seventies. Yeah. I have a problem. Uh, but yeah, it's cause I don't ever want to work on that. So I do yeah. spend a little bit of time. It's when I have a lot of extra time to yeah. work on those. Our recommendation is throw some signals on the back and don't wire them up. 
Keep it simple. Yeah. Use <laughs> hand signals. Yeah, those extra two little wires that go to the yeah, stick. You know, it's just when they break and you got to try to chase them and, you know, just keep it simple. Right on. Um, okay. So I was going to ask, so because some questions I have. So the shop here, like what is the usual? Like what usually comes in the door? I mean, we do a lot of KTM and Husky, which is KTM now. Um, do a lot of KTM and Husky stuff. That it was our background before we started this shop twelve years, almost twelve years ago. Um, but KTM is just the most popular out there for the desert and everything, and dual sport especially. So KTM and Huskies is our most popular off off road, you know, desert guys, dual sport guys. We have you know a handful of uh, motocrossers. Um, you know, but uh, we do tend to do most of the European or the Austrian stuff. But you know, we work on all flavors. We get a lot of, a lot of the uh, Japanese stuff through, and you know, but just service, suspension service, yep. engine overhauls, um, major, minor. You know, sometimes the uh, diagnostics, even on our own bikes, uh, from time to time, which you know is always a little more difficult. But uh, you know, that's so uh, so, do. so you're doing everything from big full on rebuilds. Yeah, coming here. Um, you told me a story earlier about uh, a DRZ 400. Yeah. The worst bike, the worst failure we've ever seen. And it was just complimented by the customer's description was, was quite funny. It was, a, this was many years ago, right? When we first started the shop and uh, he brought a DRZ 400 in, was getting hard to start and now won't start. All right. Simple enough. Let's, uh, let's have a look. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, you know, just uh, did it have compression. Well, it, it's an electric start bike and it, it had resistance. Okay. So you push the button and it would turn over. You know, I mean, it sounded like something's going on in there, you okay, know, Yeah. but it didn't sound healthy. A little more than loose valves. A little more. Okay. And yeah. uh, to shorten the story up, the, 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 the uh, ultimately what it was is the piston had cocked. It was, it obviously had cocked this way and somehow he had tried dragging it behind a truck for many miles. Or he lived on top of a hill. Yeah, but uh, yeah, either way, it uh, it had forged the side of the piston into the top of the head in such a way that I, I just, I can't imagine what that must have sounded like because it came in, I, I looked through my phone, I don't have the picture anymore uh, of the piston, literally like with the head, this just totally forged to the head of the the uh, cylinder head. So it was one of those ones that's like, wow, how so, does that even happen? So do you think it like slowly started turning sideways and worked its way up there? By the time we saw it, the piston <laughs> was so broken. It's hard to say how that could have even happened. I right. mean, parts of it were down in the crank. Of course. So maybe part of it broke away and then it just kind of smashed what was left flat. Mm -hmm. But either way, it was just like, wow, you thought you saw everything and now you, you know. But you hard, hard, hard to start and getting worse. And that won't start. Now it won't start. Oh, okay. Well, that's obvious. It won't start. <laughs> Never going to end that bike. You know, we don't enjoy sending bikes to the graveyard. Right. But death sentences are something that we have to do from time to time. You know, it's like, hey, this bike is too far gone because it was many years old. I don't even remember what year it was. And it just... Well, they haven't changed much, but... Uh, regardless, the bike wasn't in pretty shape to begin with. And now it needs an entire engine. So... You know, customer, uh, you know, had to digest that and ultimately f find a new place, uh, you know, to dispose yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. Part, part out the parts that still... That's what we work. always recommend, you know, part out the, the shock and the fork and the, you know, some of the wheels and whatnot. Right. Yeah. 
or you just hang on to it forever, just park it in the corner. Like I, the I, I do that with a lot of bikes, but all mine, I park them in the corner and they run and then they lose so much value. I can't even sell them. And then I think I should just part it out. And the good thing with my RFS is now like I, I, some of the parts that I have are getting hard to, hard to find counter shafts. We have a guy that's got a, you know, pretty clean five or four fifty oh seven. you know, the last year of them yep. and his counter shaft oh. sprocket. We had, we put a new sprocket on. So half the splines got replaced, but now it needs a shaft. Right. It's it's discontinued from KTM. So those those are parts are going up in value. Good to know. Yeah. The problem is all mine are in running motors. <laughs> so it's like I'm I'm not really gonna pull that yeah. pull that shaft out. But you would think with as many of those bikes are out there, because I'm I'm experiencing this experiencing this with some of my older Hoosterbergs, six fifties, for instance. There's guys that are remanufacturing certain high wear parts, the ones that you know, you know, the counterbalancer shafts and things like this. But I would I would suspect that somebody would get in there and figure yeah, out a way to someday to, to do that. And and can that stuff be hard welded and remachined? I don't know of a you know anyone that does that. I know if there's a demand for it, it I'm sure it could be yeah, done, but I don't up. you know, because that's what I worry about. You know, we both still have nine fifties and I, I love my nine fifty adventure. It's just an amazing bike. But it's getting old. And uh, I've actually heard there's a guy, uh, I don't know even what country he's in, but he's starting to kind of pick up the old, you know, and, and oh. create a boneyard okay. uh, for 950 Adventures, the LC8, the 03 to 11, you know, 950s and 990s. So, you know, unfortunately, that will be where, you know, the, those bikes, that's where it goes eventually. I see, it's funny, there's certain bikes that you see a lot of that, that were popular and then, you know, now we're 20 years into RFS, you know, those, those bikes are 20, yep. those are yeah, roughly more. 20, you know, it could be 22 or 23, or it could be, you know, 18 or 19 years old for that thing where I think the manufacturer pretty much, they make parts for about 10 years after. I think that's what they're legally required to do. So 10 years and then maybe a little bit longer, but then they have a, a surplus. And by that time they have an idea of what, Hey, this is a wear item. This isn't. And then maybe, in 15 years that the wear of that one part, like kind of that's its lifespan for the ones that are being used. And then they did, they weren't ready for it. Yeah. You know, output shafts for instance, right. or, you know, there's certain gears, but yeah, it's amazing that bikes last that long or run that long. And they're yeah. still, you know, I, I need to do this. I need to take like a, you know, a, a 450 or 525 RFS and compare it to like a 500, you know, just, just do a comparison and like an actual like little because some of that stuff people love that stuff especially the, the the guys that have the old ones that will tell you all day long like you know how awesome two-stroke 500s are yeah i mean well, and i say the same thing about 525s right they were phenomenal bikes in their day but their day if you look at the calendar has passed by quite a bit and you know and again they're still fine bikes i got one for sale keep saying i know fine. They, they are fine and you know we still work on them and you know um for good reason they're they're good bikes and the new bikes are you know you go get a 500 exe today uh, and do some of the basic setup and you know all the stuff we like to do to our bikes you're looking at 20 grand yeah you know so to keep riding your 525 is is totally understandable right. but uh, you know they are you know, getting up there in age and, you know, the, the new bikes have come a long way. It would be interesting to see, you know, cause the new bikes last longer too. The new bikes, you know, I've got 700 hours on my 500 EXE and that was one of the things I was going to just kind of 
throw it out to other people and just see what people are thinking, you know, because I, I still am torn on whether or not to tear it down. Here, here's, a, here's a mechanic. Yeah. Here's a mechanic. Owns his own bike. Rides the piss rides out of it. Lot. And and it's like, I'm the same way. I, I have I have a few of them with 500, you know, mm-hmm. hours on them. And I've, I've not done anything to them. Yeah. Like, like zero. Yeah. Not even adjusted the valves. Haven't right. needed to. You know, yeah. I've checked them and, and I checked things a few times. Every time I change the oil, I look at it. I'm like, that looks good. Some of them are making a little tick. Some of them smoke just a little bit. Yeah. And it's like, we asked this, is it time? So, I mean, it's a hard call because I don't ever want to get stranded because I know how bad, you know, that's a bummer. And, you know, so I bought all the parts. I was going to do it last year about this time. I bought a crank or a rod and a, all the pieces, all the bearings, every single bottom end bearing and everything. And I've got them all sitting in a box and I'm ready to do it. But the bike's still running beautifully. It did. I did a top end at about 500 hours and it looked beautiful, um, you know, and then the uh and it, so, it's been so so top end top end that was piston, cylinder piston, and piston, piston, piston only. only piston only i didn't even touch the valves because the valves were in perfect shape i never have had to adjust them because the you know the valve the valve train on the newer ktms newer being the last 10 or 12 years has been awesome they don't need much because they yeah, just if, you, if, very you're, if you're not floating the valves right and not sending dirt through the motor right Air filters perfectly is is key. Most important maintenance you can do on a dirt bike is air filter maintenance. Yep. Um, but yeah, not revving it unnecessarily. That's a good way to just prolong, you know, the life. Um, and this isn't just KTM. This is any, any, this is any bike. Machine. Yep. Any dirt bike, especially. And I'll go riding in the dust and the dirt. It's amazing how much dirt damage we see. Uh, guys just not using good enough air filter oil, um, not getting the air filter on correctly on certain bikes. Just, you know, um, it's the most important thing you can do. So definitely start there. Another thing I was talking about with somebody recently, because I kind of forgot, um, you know, carbureted bikes. One of the reasons that the new fuel injected bikes last longer is because they're not sucking dust in. That little parasitic amount of dust that is sucked in through the carburetor vent lines on a carbureted bike. I remember there was companies that used to to sell um car of uh, carb vent line filter kits and George, George Earl. And they never worked. Yeah, no, they never worked though. They I understood why they were doing it, but they never really worked. So that's why you can get, you know, two to three hundred hours on a on a 525 top end it's, where you know the valves wear. I know the valves weren't as good as the new valves. I, I've never I've, it's funny, I've never heard I've heard about the dust coming into the it's, carb vent lines. You take stuff. the top of the carburetor off, dude. There's full on dirt in the lid of the FCR carb. That's where it's coming from, is yeah. through the vent lines. Yeah, and I but I've never heard of I've never heard somebody go as far as to say that, that could be the difference between oh. the three. 100 hours one, to 500. Yeah, one yeah. of the reasons, yeah, no, it, it's it, significant. It, it makes perfect sense. The I, valve train being better helps. Yeah, I thought you were literally going to go start talking about carburetors is, you know, jets kind of plugging up a little bit and then running leaner, causing the bike to run hotter. Um, it, you know, I, that's that's kind of when you started going down carburetor, like how could it be? Because I'm, like, I'm thinking, and the whole time I'm trying to think, but that's... You know, but yeah, the, be, because my 500, I do the air filter perfectly. I know that for a fact. I do it every time. And, you know, I'm the only one that's ever touched it. And yep. there's never dust in that air boot. So I know no dirt has ever been ingested through the motor. And I got 500 hours out of my first piston. And honestly, it was premature at that, you know, when I did it. So, okay. It, what air filter oil are you running? At the time, we were using Maxima FFT, and we highly recommend that sticky petroleum-based oil. Now, we're actually using uh, Liquamoly because the Maxima stuff, I don't know for sure. All we know is empirically what we experience here at the shop. Take a brand new air filter. I know how to oil it. 
And all of a sudden I was noticing a drip underneath the bike the next day. It's like, I did the air filter. I know how to do the air filter. I don't yeah. over oil them. I know how to wring out the right amount. So it's like it got a little thinner. And this is going back a year or two. It's funny because if there was one thing and I haven't used FFT for a long time, I have some and I had, I used to have a lot of it because they used to mm-hmm. set up the magazine and I could never use all of it. And I always thought it was a little bit too thick. Mm. And then, and then I kind of thought that maybe it thickened up because it had been sitting on the shelf for a little while and mm. some of the dispersants and maybe I didn't shake it up good enough or something mm. like that. But I mean, I've always thought that that is a really good. And, and it is, it's still adequate right but we found the liquid molly air filter oil yep. that stuff is incredible oh, i mean it is you know we always just pour it on we don't put it in a tub and then dunk the filter in that's unnecessary yep. and all the chemical is evaporating even though you keep a sealed lid on it it's still just pour in it on the tub it's sticking in up right yeah, yeah pour it on and cap it you know and then you massage it through and wring it out over some newspaper in your trash can wring out the excess making sure you got good even coverage but as it tacks up it's just i it, it's amazing how sticky this stuff is and i can absolutely guarantee no dust will ever pass through it i've had my filter so dusty and dirty where you flick it like a desert racer would you uh-huh. know with the silt that's just falling off the filter uh-huh. you take it out and it's absolutely spotless inside yeah. and that's what you need to protect your engine so, so when at Dirt Rider, we did a pretty extensive air filter comparison, air filter oil and cleaner comparison. And we, we, we were basically oiling filters and giving them to guys that were riding desert races and different things like that. We just got a ton of filters and did all this stuff. And if the filter was properly oiled, pretty much with no matter what it was, they never passed dirt on a good on a good filter some of the filters with so if you had a if you had a a filter that basically flowed more Mm -hmm. which they make there's Mm -hmm. there's filter companies that that promote their filters flow more well sometimes it's a little less dense foam Mm -hmm. and at that point if you did not put a tacky air filter oil like the maxima for instance on that filter if you put a very light oil Mm -hmm. um and i will say that uh trying to remember some of the some of the light ones i know i know for a fact that the no toil and the rock oil which which were they they, the rock oil is water washable this is what i use this water washable synthetic air they they call it eco foam now And then the no toil, which it rinses out with its own kind of detergent, or were kind of lighter, and they didn't have that petroleum kind of stick to them. You could pass dirt, yes, on the lesser filters. But if you're running a good filter like a Twin Air, it's not. And no toil, we've seen absolutely necessary if you're going to use that, which is not our recommendation. But if you are, to you to make sure to oil it right before the ride, because we've It'll seen dry out. we've seen it dry out. Okay. And so, so there, there were oils that we would say spread easier or, you know, were lighter. Um, if, and it was, it was sometimes you could oil a filter in a, in a lighter oil that, that, like I said, the dispersants would evaporate off Mm -hmm. and it wouldn't leave nearly as much oil as some of the thicker oils that took a little bit more time to knead and get in there and, and really, um, work it into place. And, and even with the, the water washable stuff, you kind of have to put, I would say, you have to put like fifteen percent more in mm. the filter than you know. If you if you were like measuring, and this is something we didn't do, which would have been interesting to yeah. do to put a fixed amount into you know the thing and see how it kind of worked out. But yeah. Um, yeah, I it's I think like I said, if you're 
most air filter oils are generally pretty good if, as long as you kind of understand what you're dealing with yeah. and everything. But that's why I ask because like, hey, what are you using? You're having really good success. Yeah. And and I, I was the same thing. I haven't unless a my filter dried out. And the other thing about some of the ones that use different kind of carriers is a lot of times those carriers aren't good between the 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 plastic frame and the foam filter or the foam and the and the and the rubber right. membrane on the thing. And if you're it, there's there's like if if I'm not washing my filter every two or three months, like because my bike, some of my bikes sit for a long time. Yeah. I put a petroleum based oil on the filter because that I think the alcohol, which is some of the dispersants or the alcohol like whatever they're using, it will cause that foam to to break down and and yeah. or it can eat the glue. Yeah. That's one of the worst things I've ever seen is, is well, just going back to the the life expectancy and and just trying to gauge when to do my engine, you know, rebuild proactively yet not too proactively you know i don't want to throw away a bunch of good parts you know the parts aren't cheap and uh, i remember there was a guy i forget his name that was from like new zealand or something and he rode basically my bike a 14 or a 15 500 all around the world okay yeah yeah. and he had to stop in different places to get the motor worked on and and I'd like to just, I should search him out, you know, and just try to find what. I think Taco Mike knows this guy. Does he? Yeah, okay. I think he kind of helped him out, came through. Yeah. Thing. I know he came through the States. He went yeah. all around the world. But yeah, he put, and it was mostly like adventure type miles, you know, but he put many, many thousands of miles and hours, you know, many more than mine. And I'd be curious to know how long did your rod last? Because yeah, what wore out? Yeah, it's 700 hours. If he says he got 1,200, well, I could definitely go another another trip to Colorado and yeah. not worry. But uh, I don't know. It's just one of those things. I don't want to throw away good parts. Um, I got another and, friend and, that. And you don't. I mean, you have the the ability, the skills, the parts, everything to to put it back together, to to make it so that you know. But I, I'm always even even if where my level of mechanical ability and everything is, which I feel is you know, like it's intermediate, you yeah. know, like a little bit a little bit higher than novice. I don't know. Matt's probably laughing yeah. right now, right? <laughs> it's 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 intermediate because there's guys that are pros, and the reason I'm not a pro is because I'm kind of a hack. I mean, I I you use a hammer a lot. I yeah, I'll use the I'll I'll do I'll I'll just I mean I know I've I have not built very many DNF bikes, period. I, I mean they all they all kind of work and I know it there, but it's the potential if it's running perfect and good and everything the way the potential for me to screw it up is higher. Like my yeah. first question when somebody comes to me and says, Hey, my bike did this and I and, and they did that. And I'm like, what was the last thing you did to it? That's almost the first yeah. question I yeah. asked. Absolutely. And 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 they're like, yeah, it's 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 an electrical problem. Like, what was the last thing you did? Well, I put a battery into it, and it's like, okay, you know, or I or I took the gas tank off, and it's yeah. like, oh, you pinched wires. You yeah. know, it's just something kind of. No, part of me doesn't want to crack I, a, a factory sealed case, you right. know, a, that's not having problems, and it's not because I'm superstitious about it. It's just because, yeah, it is running fine, and you know, I, I just don't know when that perfect time is. You know, I want right. to get it. Like, I, I rebuilt my 300. I've got an 08 300 that I. I probably had about seven or six or 700 hours on it, roughly, uh, when I did the crank in it, put a rod in it. And when the machine shop sent back the old part, the rod pin definitely showed significant wear. Like, yeah, you probably didn't have that a much. whole bunch more time right. left in this part, but it didn't fail. So perfect timing, you know, and I'd kind of like to be somewhere in that neighborhood when I do would you be so lucky that you take it out and it's like just yeah, I did my water pump on my 950 one time proactively before a big 
big week or whatever, 10 day trip. And when I took the water pump seal out, the back of the water pump seal was all milky. Like it was just starting to leak. It's like, well, that was pretty good timing. You know, yeah. you get yeah. lucky. Every Sometimes I wish. Hey, we've got a question on the, through the chat. Um, yeah. Larry Giles asked, and this Larry is, is captain safety. He's come on the show before. Okay. Uh, he's, he's a, he's a former lifeguard, longtime okay. lifeguard. And I want to get him back on. Cause he has some interesting stuff. He just, he thinks the show is maybe not the level of professional that he needs to be at. Yeah. Is, but he says, what are the top three upgrade requests you guys get at your shop for EXC 350s or 500s and your top three recommendations for trail riding? On a 350 EXC? 350. He has a 350. I know this. I mean, it's the standard, you know, stuff that we do to race bikes. You know, we, we just desmog them and, and uncork them. That's kind of the main thing. Suspension would be a very close second. Now, the bike needs to be set up for your weight and what you're doing, especially on some of the newer uh, EXCs. You know, depending on what you're doing, they don't have a lot of valving in the forks. So we, we've we got a number of different ways we can set the fork up to work much better. Obviously, with the springs, you know, to start out with uh, for the proper, you know, rider weight plus gear. You know, plus gear is usually a lot more than people um, necessarily factor. You know, they think they're 180 out of the shower. So, yeah, I like spring it for 200. It's like, well, 15. It might be, uh, yeah, yeah, it might be a bit more than that. 215 and yeah, it would yeah. be probably closer, especially depending on the backpack size you wear. No, I was going to say add 15. Usually gear is like 15 pounds. And a lot of our guys, desert riders and dual well, sport what guys, wear? a lot, you know, backpacks alone, yeah. with three liters of water is, you know, and some tools that can be, you know, 15 pounds right there. You they're, know, they're not wearing the lightweight climb stuff exactly. that I'm wearing. Yeah. Boots is six pounds. A helmet's yep. six pounds. So you're at 12 yeah. just with that, oh, you know. It should be six pounds. Uh, you know. Yeah, if you don't want that. You don't want your helmet to be six pounds. No, my new one's not. I just got a uh, 6D, one of the new ones. Yeah. I, so Light, I like it. Lightweight is good on the, so, on the helmet. Uh, but those, you know, those are the first two as far as a third. So uh, uncorked, set up suspension. And then the third would be... Uh, you know, guards just, you know, Protection. everyone's got kind of a different level, a different standard as far as what they want as for protection, you know, and, and I kind of, I often will kind of talk, we've got all the Bulletproof Design stuff up front and Bulletproof Design's a good sponsor of this show. Products, yeah. yeah. yeah but they're, so, they're, they're going to bring the viewers, Tim or Matt's product for the week. Yeah, we can yeah, uh, pull it, it can off be, the shelf it, and show it. It can be yeah. anything that you want. It doesn't have yeah. to be bolt. Or it can be anything. It was, oh, I, that's right. Okay. I said, I said that. Yeah. I said, I was, I, well, I told him about two minutes. I told Tim about two minutes yeah. before the show. I said, I said, this is, uh, we'll do a product of the week. Product we'll of the week. Yeah, yeah. You guys figure it out. We got two hours. It could be the inside out. line koozie. That's so, my, that's my pick right now. Yeah. It's working that, for me perfectly. Yeah, right. So just, I'll usually talk it through with them as far as what, you know, what ideas are out there as far as, you know, things like skid plate and discards. I know Jimmy's got his opinions and we all have our own opinions. Discards? That, yeah. I like and big, beer. I like and big beer. beer. I'm looking at that. I know. That's, that's, like, I didn't even. It is. It. You didn't. You didn't get him for that yet. Wait till he's on. Oh, yeah. Okay. Really get him. Well, I do like one thing he did to it, though. What's that? He chopped. He chopped it. Yo, he, we he got a bill for that. that. Yeah, he chopped it down yeah. so he could get at the fork. Because I well, actually and it doesn't sit because that's a cone valve fork on Matt's bike that he's looking at. It the clevises are different, and the bulletproof design doesn't quite sit right. So he put it on the mill and and made it nice. But you can see the anodizing is cut off. But yeah, you can get to the pinch bolts on the front, and then it sits properly on the bottom. So on my hard enduro bike, I do run the bulletproof designs fork protectors like mm-hmm. that. Those, He's got that those, on the other side. Yeah. yeah. So I've run the Acherby's plastic ones and also these aluminum ones mm-hmm. um, on different bikes, but on, on the bike, 
when uh, when I went and did King of the Motos, I mm-hmm. put the aluminum ones on there mm-hmm. because I knew that the potential to just drop that thing into they a are, crevice. And what we've seen many times when we'll go to take apart a fork just to get the base valve out. They don't come out. Oh, it's, it's, just because it got nicked with a rock. And right. that, so that can protect for that. So, but we'll, we'll go through the list of, of different guards and then the, you know, each individual rider kind of knows what they ride and how hard they ride and the type of stuff they ride. And, and they can kind of prioritize what they think is necessary. Like some, you know, people don't think the swing arm uh, chain guide guard is terribly important because they're not really hammering the rocks, rocks, you know, so, okay. And they might then just opt for the skid plate and on a Husky skid plate with linkage guard. Right. You know, and we've got, you know, different options on all that stuff that we recommend for different reasons. And, you know, I, I joke with Jimmy all the time about some of the influencers that are out there in, in the internet's world, you know, and, 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 you know, some know what they're talking about, Stop some, talking about some don't, <laughs> but you know, we don't have any skin in the game. We just sell you products that we know that we've tested that, you know, we know are good. And, you know, whether people you can come back here, mm-hmm. you, you got a brick and mortar shop, you yeah. know, you know, you know, and then, and we were even talking about that with like one of the, uh, I remember what it was. You said, no, we wouldn't do that right now because we don't trust it. You know, we can't, mm-hmm. you know, we could, I don't know. It was like, it was like, that was it was like, we don't, we wouldn't want to fix that now because we just don't trust it. It could come back. The parts aren't readily available. I don't remember what it was, but it, it was something like, it's like, yeah, you just like we talked about with that DRZ 400, that thing's got to go to the graveyard. Yeah. Well, and, and just as a shop, we have to be able to stand behind our work no matter what it is, but it's just, um, you know, we don't have any skin in the game when we're selling people bulletproof designs products. It's because we truly believe in them. You know, yeah. some people, not Jimmy, but others where well, they're just pushing products because they're getting them for free. And that's not who we are. We're just selling you products because we know they work. And if you look at our bikes, you'll usually see that we have, uh, you know, those products on our bikes for those reasons. And we pay full price. You know, I don't have any free, uh, climb, uh, you know, stuff, but I pay for all my climb. I wear a climb and I, I think it's good gear. And that's why, you know, I spend my money on it, you know, so it's just, but that's the way we go through that process with people, you know, as far as, uh, what they think is necessary and, and we, uh, you know, steer them, you know, uh, in whatever way they, uh, want to go. And I think like a lot of times you, you, I've, I've learned this in this industry is when I'm dealing with somebody that's a rider that, that rides and, and does stuff, I can usually have a really good conversation with them and then they understand it. They've, they've either use it, whether it's their company or they're, they're selling stuff, you know, they, they, we're on the same page mm-hmm. and we can agree to disagree because they, you know, might have an opinion about one thing or the other, but it's from experience. Mm-hmm. It's not from a marketing sheet where it's not the, you know, it, you know, I've had this discussions with influencers, you know, influencer type people. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, what's, what's up with that? And, and a lot of times they'll say to me, they'll go, Oh yeah, I did. I did these guys. They sent me this thing. Right. I'm Three like, parts. I'm like, well, how, how does it work? Oh, you know, like that. And then you'd go look at what they posted. Right. I don't actually usually go look at they post. Sometimes I see what they post and mm-hmm. I see them and I'm like, oh, Hey, <laughs> that thing you said this and i know because i know differently just mm-hmm. from experience but yeah. I'm, I'm just kind of curious where they're at with things and and uh like like we looked at the cyclops light today mm-hmm. that matt has in this thing yeah. and you're like hey jimmy what do you usually run i usually run baja designs it's just i've 
worked with Alan forever when Alan owned Baja Designs and their stuff. And then we just started kind of chatting back and forth and, yeah. and, uh, and then you turn the damn light on and I'm like, well, yeah. I didn't need to, I didn't need to bring my lights in here tonight. <laughs> I mean, and I know the guys at Psychops they are great guys. They, yeah. they came and did stuff with us at the dirt rider 24 hour. They supplied lights They're, I mean, they're, you can tell they're heavily invested in the game and, yeah. and this is at Takamoto. Uh, they want to do a big, very extensive light comparison mm-hmm. and and i kind of helped him de- design a a testing platform for like let's let's do this and they literally want to do some quote lab results on lights oh, wow. measure them you know f- have a jig so they can set the lights in and aim them all exactly the same and mm-hmm. measure measure the spread and all these different cool yeah. things using chris real okay. for instance because chris likes this kind of stuff as well and then and then hey when you want somebody to come out and ride it bring it out yeah We'll, we'll plop we've, it on the bikes. We've done a few of those real basic, you know, tests, yeah. not too scientific, but in the back alley, you know, a different time of year when it gets dark early and, yeah. you know, we roll the bikes out when the, you know, we had a Ruby, we had my, I have a Baja Design Squadron XL, yeah, Squadron XL or XL80, I can't remember. Yep. And then Matt has that, the Cyclops, uh, I can't remember what that one's called. But, uh, you know, we put, and we just took all three. The Ruby is impressive. Yeah. You know, my, my Baja Designs one is impressive. One of the things that I like about the Cyclops, though, and we like about the Cyclops, is that it's light. The weight, yeah. Uh, it's light, pardon the pun. But um, yeah. it is, yeah, the Baja Designs light. I noticed a rattle on my 500. And it's just, you know, little stuff like that as a mechanic just irritate me. Going down, and I wear earplugs when I ride. And I could hear something, just something. And I would hear it on gnarly, rocky downhills. And come to find out, it was my headlight mask jumping up and down. Oh, and it and was the, just the pins. Yeah. And the only reason I couldn't hear it on any other time is because you're on the gas and it's just enough to mute right. that and I couldn't hear it. But I'd be going down these things and I hear something rattling. It's not my chain. It's not, you know, it's, what is it? So I, I figured it out. So I, I actually did it around the campfire that night yeah. with a nail and a pair of vice grips, heated it up in the fire and melted holes in the mask and the fender and put a zip tie to hold the mask down. And it solved that problem. But it's because the, the bot designs light is a little on the heavy side where these new Cyclops lights uh, put out extremely good light, but they're on, I believe, 3D printed plastic backings or, you know, mounts and stuff. So, yeah. you know, it shaves quite a bit of weight off, probably more than half, you know, and nearly the same light. I don't know. Again, I'd be curious to read that test when they finally do it, yep. you know, numbers and stuff. I like that kind of stuff. It's like the numbers are the numbers that so they, mm-hmm. they will try to make sure that it's consistent and stuff like that. But right. then like, how does it, how does it work? Cause this is the one thing, you know, that I really liked about when I was doing stuff with Baja Designs is they were so particular particular about placing, you know, before it was the bulb and then it was the HID filament and now the LED yeah. lens in the exact spot and then figuring out the way that the reflectors work and the light temperature and things right. that uh, I've talked with people that don't like companies that you start talking about light temperature and that's just a number that yeah. they, they don't understand. You know, like, I mean, it's like, they're just, buying LEDs from someplace and just sticking yep. them in a light. And then you end up with bright fog. Well, then they send them to some influencers that aren't going to ask exactly. these kind of questions. And they're the best <laughs> thing ever. Yeah. Oh, they're it's great. Like, no, they're, it's bright fog. But if you get the focal point right, the throw is correct. Yeah. And boy, now you've got a real light. Yeah. And and the guys that have been doing it for a while, you know, companies have been underground for, you know, been selling this stuff for a while. But the ones you buy on Amazon, yeah, I don't think they're too worried no. about it. Or eBay even better, you know, some of the crazy ones they have there. Yep. So I got, we got a question here. Um, 
And Chris uh, Real has a comment. We will quantify the light specifics. Yeah, I know Chris it, will. I've, it, I've it, known it, Chris for a long, long time. time. Yeah, he, he will quantify. He's the never shy or never short with information. Lots right. of it, and yeah. it's it's good, very knowledgeable information. Yeah. And as as a moto guy, I just I you know I definitely appreciate that stuff, even though I don't do the testing myself. But Low Bro says putting together a YZ250 tranny, wondering why they chose to pin the forks to the shaft. If you unpin them, I think there'd be a little easier shifting since the forks can slide on the shaft because it would be a lot easier to put together. Not. I'm wondering. I can't pins, picture it. Um, pins, Matt would actually be a really good one to talk on the the okay. trans. Just I don't know when the last uh, YZ we had a part was, but uh, in the I don't know. To the shaft. I'm trying to remember because I know there was times in Yamaha. Yamaha, it, 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 like all the companies that were constantly changing on the motocross bikes, constantly changing. Um, kind of their transmissions to get them to shift a little bit better. That was one of, you know, that was one of the things they were doing. Cause they, they were putting them on springs kind of like what KTM right. does. They took them off springs on springs, just, just a lot of different things, but yeah, low bro. I can't, uh, somehow I was surprised. I was out round, round the world. Paul was the guy we were talking about on the KTM five. Oh, okay. RTW Paul. Yeah. I want to write that down. Actually. Is the, is the guy. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. I, I remember I kind of followed some of the information for a little while, his story and stuff. And it just was really cool because it's basically my bike. I think it's a 15, but basically the same bike. Hey, Matt, uh, we're going to go ahead and let's, let's hit a couple of the questions here while Tim's here. We'll do, we'll do half of them, I guess. And then we'll take a break. Okay. The ones on, the, then I'll, on the, the ones on the sheet. On, on the sheet. Yeah. And then, and then I'll bring Matt and we'll give him a shot at the second half of the questions and, uh, We'll uh, we'll go from there. So okay. wh- what's the give us the give us the the hardest one? All right, so we'll go with the one that you were sent. So if this is from Mark C. The bikes. Uh, I want Tim to sound sound exactly like Logan when you get um, that question. No. So the, <laughs> oh, the, that's Matt. Oh, Matt's home. Yeah, he's just silent. Yeah, Logan, Logan's just quiet. 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 The the yeah. bike is a 2001 KTM 400 MXC. It was bought used, so not much history. It will kickstart, but not start with the button. Replace the electric starter with a budget-friendly starter, not OEM. Starter spring is good. Problem is the starter spins in the wrong direction slash clockwise. If I reverse the battery connection, the the starter will turn the motor over, but pops the 10-amp fuse. Battery and solenoid seem fine, but not sure why the starter is spinning backwards. Took the starter apart, but no way to change the magnet orientation or uh, change assembly. Do I replace the starter and hope the new one spins correctly, or is it a bad uh, solenoid? Uh, no, I mean, if the starter's spinning backwards, I would have to verify that myself, but that it might be just a Chinese piece <laughs> of junk, but, you know, you know, who knows what you got. But the if the thing just, just freewheels, it, it almost sounded like the Sprague was in backwards, the way I was kind of hearing it there for a second. But this, Oh, oh, um, but... But he says starter sprag is good. But what, no, but when he reverses the polarity on the thing and he tries cranking it, it engages. But it might be spinning the motor backwards and it pops the fuse. Oh, I never see. I never. I just thought something. The, I just thought the starter Sounds was weird. spinning. I thought the starter was spinning backwards the whole time. But yeah, budget friendly. I would want to know for sure that the starter is spinning backwards, and I don't know that I could explain that here on the show. How I would verify that? Right. Like I'd have to kind of look at all the pieces to know which way it's all supposed to spin, um, which is hard to do, you know, uh, you know, verbally. Yeah. So, so the problem is the starter spins 
wrong direction. I would want to verify that clockwise. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm trying to think of, I'd have to, in an MXC, yeah, I'd have to look at it. I'd have to look at the bike to figure it out. Same, same like you. Just be sure it's actually backwards. That would be where I would start because I find that hard to believe because I don't know what. Cause you know, the starters, in all honesty, uh, starters don't usually go bad either. That's, yeah. that's, that's rare. You, well, yeah, they can, they can wear out. Yeah. Like they can, but out. it's usually not at the high top end of the list on that bike, which Matt and I know that particular bike quite well. Cause we were working at the dealership when that bike was new. Right. And I, I've, I don't, I think I've replaced on all the, I had 20 RFS bikes. I think I replaced one starter right. and the starters weren't, and it was prone to fail. Uh, I think it was used to <laughs> ride the bike up hills. Yeah. It, it's a technique that crazy Nate, uh, used it the, 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 the perfect. It's hard hold, parts, hold, the kill, it, hold the kill button and push the starter right. motor and just let the walk the bike up. drag it's, it, drag like it your e-bike with the walk feature. <laughs> My bike has that, but I forgot how to make it work. Usually I just have to hold it. Yeah. It doesn't do it right away. And you can't be on it. My bike, my e-bike smart enough to know the, if, you, if it's it, helping it, you at all. Yeah. You got, it's really for walking. Yeah, so. Yeah. so, okay, Mark C, that was uh, the answer to that question. Um, I would say uh, if, if the starter went bad and you put a shitty starter on it and you didn't change anything inside the cases, just spend the extra bucks and get a good, decent one. And there are some companies, believe it or not, that make um i i that have a direct oem replacement um i i think uh rocky mountain has them literally yeah. has it has a has a like a i don't yeah, know if it's parts limited sells them yeah we, we have them and amazon i've got oh, amazon starters for the two strokes because you couldn't you know, get the you couldn't get the uh, oem ones like 400 bucks i've got an 08 300 uh-huh. and the oem starter is extremely expensive and they're prone to go out on that particular bike right and i just throw a 40 dollars amazon starter in it every year or two and so that so that because there was a company like it was kind of like an all balls or one of those mm-hmm. uh companies arrowhead that, and yeah makes a, a replacement yeah. that that make a that make a starter i would say if you haven't ch- jacked with anything inside the cases um you know put the sprag gear on the wrong direction the, yeah. the, and and do you know do you know about the trick on the RFS bikes with when your when your um uh sprag spring you know the 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 the, the whole uh limited slip that the one way thing when it mm-hmm. goes bad there's like a seal that you can buy because that that bearing is like hundred bucks mm-hmm. and you can buy a seven dollar seal and the spring is the exact same diameter and you just put the the spring oh. from the seal on the outside of this okay I yeah. know I know the part numbers yeah. I have it written down someplace because. That is a common, that's like one of two things that'll go wrong in your RFS besides maybe the, the nut coming loose. Okay, Matt, one more, one more question. Did you see the one from a low brow about the 250 training? Yeah, yes. we, we answered that. Okay. Well, so this one, it. this one's going to be from uh, Jacob Coville. Let's see. I, I called it answered, you know, even though I didn't, we didn't give an answer. Yeah. I like to, you know, we I talked about it. Think highly of myself. Yeah. Uh, J- so from Jacob Coville, just picked up the 2019 500 I sent earlier. The bike sat for four years and had only 200 miles. Ordered new fuel filters from talking about today. Also going to Clyde. Uh, also going to clean out the injector. Bike runs good with the exhaust, uh, and the tuner could be better. Anything else I should look at from sitting for so long? A 2019 500 sitting? Yeah. And, I mean, as long, long as it was sitting inside, um, you know, we've. Uh, You'd be surprised how much, you know, sitting outside 
for a short amount of time can really do to a bike. You know, I mean, just the standard, you know, grease electrical connections, dielectric grease, you know, your ignition plug, your key ignition plug, uh, your starter button plug, those get uh, corrosion in them uh, commonly, even if the bike's stored indoors. Especially in, in moist environments, mm-hmm. you know. So. Uh, but just washing the bike, yeah. So just do that. Uh, that would be one additional thing. I would, on a, a 19, the ground on the, the uh, subframe should be good. Um, but those are always things I check and kind of retighten, loosen, retighten, even put a little dielectric grease or even sometimes just WD-40 just to make sure all your connections are good. But no, I wouldn't do much. Uh, fresh gas. You've already cleaned the injector, put a fuel filter. And hopefully you put the metal uh, bodied fuel filter in um, because even a brand new plastic filter is not something I would trust. Um, we've switched over. Everybody knows uh, about the... You know, the all, turkey filters? Yeah. Get rid of that piece <laughs> and and put the all it's a Napa filter. I forget what the number is. Yeah, Taco Takamoto sells these. He's he's even got an upgraded one, right. but the standard replacement one is just an all metal body that won't split because that's where you can really get screwed is if the plastic body filter splits, you're dead in the water. Yep. So even a new one, because we had a number of those bikes when they were brand new. 17s, 18s, 19s, you know, just split a filter at three hours and the bike you know, yeah. won't, won't run. There, there must have been a bad run of those filters. There must have been, but it, it was it was it was a thing for a while it where was. it was a really big deal. And then it just kind of stopped. And I, I have 25 of these bikes. Yeah. And I've had it happen twice on. Yeah. Uh, um, but they they were they they didn't. They cracked in such a way that they just started losing power, and yeah. you know, it wasn't the catastrophic like well, for stop twenty running. bucks you can ensure that that doesn't happen. Yeah. You know something else that was a weird um, kind of fad, or not a fad, but a, a rash of a problem that we saw early on when we started this shop. So this would have been twenty twelve ish. The spring retainers that go on the bottom of a PDS shock, they're mm-hmm. aluminum and there's a snap, you know, you, you compress the spring, you put that thing on and then there's a snap ring that goes or yeah, a, a ring, that, ring goes, that holds right. that retainer. Well, over time or, or just randomly that aluminum retainer would just crack in half and your spring goes all the way to the bottom and the thing's a chopper all of a sudden. We saw quite a few of those happen. Matt had it happen to his own RFS bike back then huh. and it was happening so regularly. We contacted BRP and a few of the other manufacturers to see is this something you guys would be interested in making yeah. you know, machine shops that have you know the, the ability to produce yeah. you know good needed products. Nobody was interested in it and we even talked to one of our buddies that worked in the aircraft industry and, yeah. and we're going to have a made out of stainless. He actually made a handful of matte stainless. I've still got one on my 950, but um, we didn't fortunately invest too much in that because the problem went away. I don't know. Yeah, if it's interesting. I, the it's ones like, that I've were going to break did break. And yeah. then, you know, yeah, the never, rest have been okay. That's one of the never things I've never heard of. And it's funny, just the other day, I saw a picture of a KTM chain block cracked, which, <laughs> which, it was there was a there was a time when those were there was a cracking and you know, yeah. just different things. Every once in a while, there's just a rash of parts and yeah. and and now with the internet, this is the awesome thing yeah. about the internet is yeah. is I don't have anything better to do at work, so I'm on the internet and usually on one of the forums and I see a picture of something bad happen mm-hmm. and then I take that picture and I say, look what happened and yeah. I post it and then that's the next. And thing. that's where we got real world experience here. We do see. You know, different trends. We see certain things. You might say, oh, yeah, I've, yeah, okay. The, we yeah. know this. Right. We have, we can verify that. Yeah. That's usually when the concern. part's in stock, yeah, yeah, you have the part in stock. Exactly. It's like, yeah, we've seen this before. So, hey, yep. Matt, why don't you go ahead and uh, run us a set of commercials there? Um, 
uh, to everybody to uh, check out our sponsors and we'll be right back with uh, Matt Lewis. What's up, Moto Buddies? Mike here from Taco Moto Co. What is the Taco Touch? It's the best service in the industry. Virtually 24-7 tech support via email or text. And it's like having a dirt bike doctor on call every day of the year, helping you fix your bike or recommend parts or setups for you. If you've ever received an order from us, you know that the Taco Touch extends to our fulfillment and our orders come with the coolest stickers that you've ever had uh, buying parts from anybody before and a handful of root beer barrel candies. Um, all of our Taco Moto Co. branded components come with a no questions asked lifetime warranty and we'll even extend out the warranty of other manufacturers, OEM and aftermarket parts where we can, sometimes for life. We test and tune endlessly and exhaustively and obsessively. We're trying to destroy everything that we can before you get your hands on it to look for weaknesses and to improve it or to make recommendations to the manufacturer. And if it's something that doesn't uh, meet grade, then we don't offer it on the store. Everything that we carry is something that we have personally used, tested, and ridden, and raced, and nose meets the, the high taco touch demanding standard. Go out and get some adventure. And we are back live on Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. And I just went into a low tide situation here. Hopefully this can be... You have uh, to get Tim to get you a new one. Yeah, rectified quickly. Um, so we kicked Tim off. Uh, he didn't do a very good Logan impression, but we're going to check Matt for Logan impressions. You really have only listened to the show. You haven't... Really yeah, I don't watch it that often just because we're usually working late and... Yep. Usually go out to Taco Tuesday on Tuesday nights. So that's a good uh, place to go. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, I started the show at a bar uh, during Taco Tuesday. That's kind of how the name came about. I think someone dared me to do a podcast. I don't know why, but it was a really bad idea. And here, here we are. So, yeah, we, 100, we, 189 shows. That's pretty good. Yeah. So, Ben Mayberry, Mayberry, M A B R Y. Nate, there's no Maberry. I'm I'm horrible with names. So yeah. he says he has Husaberg questions. So those okay. go to the, those go to the front, those go to the front of the line. Yep. Yeah. Did you throw that Husaberg piston away? Because I can um, probably use it. I don't think he threw it away. <laughs> Do you want to? I think it's sitting right over here. Yeah. So uh, he says, "Hey Jimmy, I recently picked up a 2010 Husaberg FE390. Are there any must-do modification upgrades to do to this bike? It already has the subframe gas tank." Well, I'm just going to tell you that, uh, let's see, 2010, I'm just counting the years. That, that, that's the upside down backwards motor. Right. So, so that's the FV390, a great, great bike because it's just because of the Hoosberg. The, the gas tank's going to start leaking pretty soon, probably at the mufflers, and your muffler's probably starting to fold in a little bit. So right. um, you might want to uh, hopefully you have the stock subframe because I just had to put a stock subframe back on one of mine because my tank was compromised. But do you, do you know how to weld that plastic plastic i don't we've we've tried it in the past on certain things and just we've never done it for a customer's bike just because of liability and all that stuff but welding especially a gas tank the plastic because plastic has gets impregnated with stuff and it likes to and the the, burn the gas seems to change the the structure of the plastic kind of over the years right so I, I would say uh, be prepared for that, uh, Ben. Uh, I don't know. On the the three ninety, you could definitely use some power. You know, it's only it's basically a four hundred, right? Is, is what it is. Uh, right. It's it's definitely no five seventy. 
Have I ever told you um, how fast my Hoosaberg 570 is? Oh, never told me directly, but I hear it every week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not as fast as my 650, uh, yeah. which is a tick- I heard about that earlier Which today, is a ticking so. time bomb. Yeah, it's. I, but I, I need to... I'm waiting for a little moisture to come back out of the sky and land on these hill climbs because... I want to I want to upshift on the hill climb. So, uh, thanks Ben. Thanks for the question. And uh, so John K asks, all the are the mall plastic fuel filters trash? Um, for the most part, yes. Uh, we've seen so many of them split over the t- over the many years that KTM has been using those um, that we've gotten away from them. We now use an aftermarket. Um, all metal filter, same size, same filtration, everything like that, but no worry of splitting. And, and you would see them because people would bring their bike in here. My bike doesn't run right. Something's wrong. We, we had a guy with a brand new bike one time that we set up, dialed in, did everything. I mean, he did went, built it to the moon, goes out on his first ride. I get a call on Saturday morning at eight 30 in the morning. And he's telling me he's pushing his bike, you know, 10 miles from the truck and uh wants to know why turned out that the fuel filter split on a brand new bike yeah brand new husky 501 and you hadn't done anything to the tank had not done i mean we swapped we put a a larger turby's tank or an ims or something on it but yeah no we had not pulled the fuel pump out put it in the new tank just yeah pop the whole assembly in it right i wonder if i wonder if like you know like i said i we were just talking about this before the break the 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 batches could be just a, a tad bit brittle you know that maybe it was a batch was a tad bit brittle. Any aggravation would be enough to. Yeah, um, it might be the batch. It might be the glue that they use to glue them because they have a seam on them that's like either glue or either plastic welded or, or, or yeah. fused or or glued or something, and that seems to be where they always split. And uh, Mark Daniels is saying about our question on the starter. It says it sounds like he possibly had the starter solenoid wired backwards. Yeah, I mean, unless he messed with the wiring on it, then. Well, but even that wouldn't cause it to spin backwards. That would just cause the solenoid not to. to well, that could to, that could blow, help like, blow the fuse. It would blow the fuse, yes. And that was uh, one of his problems. It sounded. I I have heard quite or stories from people buying those cheap, you know, cheap cheap starters. I've heard of one other starter with it that spun backwards once, and I don't remember what ended up causing it. Whether it was the magnets were just glued in the housing backwards, right. or or what. Um, but yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense. But I, I have heard of it one time over the many years. Yeah, just uh, just uh, buy the you know buy the yeah. goods. You know you you, you don't have to buy OEM, but like the Arrowheads are good. Um, I don't know anything about the Rocky Mountain, the Tusk one, or whatever you were talking. Yeah, about. I don't know if it was Tusk, but, but I remember there was there was a there was some place where I got one one time, basically because the. the I think I don't know if it was the stock ones were ridiculously expensive or they were out of stock. Okay. And I'm just like I kind of I kind of wanted to put this the, thing back. The stock together. ones are generally ridiculously expensive, yeah. and it so. was pro- so that was probably the thing. And then a lot of times I'll buy stuff that that may be a little suspect or something just to test it, so I know, so I have an experience. Right. So when when I do talk about this stuff on the show and everything, it's like yeah, I, I do have some kind of right. experience with it and and being an independent shop we do a lot of aftermarket stuff so we we know what works and what doesn't generally um just because we don't have we do we we sell oem stuff but we don't have the the, the line on it like a ktm dealer does right and um, then and then you, you're not getting a, a huge discount or anything like right. that 
So anytime we can use aftermarket, as long as it's good, as good or better quality than we generally do. Uh, replacement pistons, for instance, mm-hmm. what are, what are, do, you, do you use Pro-X and stuff like that? So we, we like Pro-X, we like Vertex. Yeah. Um, we use a lot of those. Wiseco? We don't use too much Wiseco. I don't know why. We just yeah. never have. Um, we do there occasionally. Was a, there was a but, time back in the day when they got a bad rap. Right. Seasco and all that stuff. Yeah. And it's been a long time ago. But it's one of those things where I want, I want to kind of try them again because, again, it could have just been a bad batch. And you think about it, like back then, you know, so many people were replacing this stuff and doing, right. doing all these things. Well, I know what kind of mechanics you guys are out in the real world, and you're doing it yourself, and you're putting the piston in backwards, and then, it's, right. and then it seizes, and then it's like, ah, oh, the piston's bad. It's like right. a two-stroke piston. Exactly. Or actually, yeah. four-stroke ones, too. Those, they, they like to tap touch the— Or back in the day of iron you know, sleeve cylinders and stuff, not getting them clearanced correctly and all that. Right. You know, with cast pistons and things, but— um, No, we generally use Vertex and Pro-X and everything, or Wastners. Yep. Um, they're all good, good pistons. But what we found is on like the 250 and 350s, KTM Husky, Gas Gas, every time we put a Vertex piston in or Pro-X, because they use those three-piece oil rings, they use a different oil ring than than the OEM KTM piston. Um, for whatever reason, we see that they, they tend to burn oil, like even really low hours. And yeah. you'll get a, you'll, you'll fire it up and you'll get, you know, it'll sit there and idle and you flip the throttle and it'll puff smoke. And, you know, so we've kind of gone away from on the smaller bore engines. We, we pretty much stick with OEM only. Right. And what is the OEM on the, on the small case? They've, is it they've small? changed, they've changed over the years. Um, they were CP pistons for quite a while. Uh-huh. Um, and they still may be, but they've gone from mall and, and CP back and forth. Um, and I know the two strokes all use vertex pistons. Yep. Yeah. And I think I've, I've put pro X pistons in some two strokes and had good luck with yeah, them. Yeah. We use pro X all the time on, yeah. on the two strokes. I've, I've replaced rods on the two strokes yeah. with, I mean, my t- pro X rods are, are top of the line. Yeah. My 200 I've done like two or three times. Cause that thing had a shit ton of music. I don't remember 2004 and it's the bike I used to set up every King of the Motos course. And again, it got to the point where I could start feeling it when it, it started running really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was just, it would just, uh, it just free revved up a little too, too good. Right. Usually after about three pistons yeah. <laughs> and had a really good luck with, uh, with those. And I think I have one in my YZ125 currently and lots of, uh, lots of good stuff. Um, uh, okay, Matt, do we have another question here? Yeah. You want from the sheet or the chat? Yeah, from the sheet. Let's. Oh no, you know what? Go to go to the chat first because uh, if we let's get those guys are there live. Let's. Uh, well, I like what care. Travis Bickle said. Uh, he commented, uh, "Influencers, man, no kidding." Was parked next to one of those guys, and he was on his gram posting about the pipe and cylinder he, uh, he was given and how sick it was. Then he came over to me and asked me to help him adjust his chain. Um, <laughs> Josh K said, "You have to go below the equator for the starter to spin the correct way." Uh, Mark, okay. Mark Daniel said the C- uh, they had a CRF450X that was backwards on the cylinder and it caused the starter to spin backwards. It was installed by the owner uh, incorrectly. 
So uh-huh. I like, like, that's where we started going down this thing is like, Hey, what, what, if you just pulled the starter out, cause it didn't work and popped it right back in, you know, that's one thing, but then, you know, was it a full, you know, full rebuild and where did all these pieces come from? That usually makes a big difference. Right. So let's go back to the sheet here. So this was a, uh, the, the email said G GG GG uh, didn't get a name. So a question for Jimmy. I once saw XR650R with the turbocharger on YouTube. Would turbo supercharging a single cylinder take place on a on a, uh, take place of a heavy second cylinder, or is the torque and reliability of the twin why this hasn't been done by a factory OEM? Um, boy, <laughs> wait. It started out with I saw this on YouTube. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was, and it was just like for, for content. I don't think they're, they're just kind of like fun questions. So, yeah, yeah. So, so I've seen, you know, never, have I seen one in person? I think I have at the sand dunes and stuff. I've seen a lot of contraptions where people have rigged up turbos and superchargers and all this crazy stuff on the four stroke motorcycle, especially the single cylinder four stroke motorcycle, which is designed to be light and compact and agile though. That's, those aren't usually words that are associated with XR 650. Um, you're, you're dealing with just trying to build a a good package. That's, that's simple lasts a long time. Uh, you know, it on that bike for sure lasts a long time is a big part of it and adding a turbo to it. I don't think uh, it was a thing. Then you're going to deal with turbo lag, single cylinder turbo right. lag is kind of, turn- and tons of exhaust heat. Yeah. Of crazy amounts of heat. Yeah. Build up. Um, and just, yeah, longevity of the motor is going to be compromised quite a bit. Right. And so it's easier just to bolt a cylinder to the side. Yeah. Of it. I mean, not really bolt a cylinder, but b- build in the bike. design process, it's easier <laughs> to design it as a twin. Yeah. Make it, make it something that starts out with power and even, like a lot of the adventure bikes are really, really low stressed. I mean, as far as their configurations, because some of them come from platforms that were, you know, meant for much higher performance on road going stuff. And then they kind of tune them down for torque and everything. And, and they're, they're pretty low stress and they still make, I mean, your a rear tire can only handle so, so much power. So. Right. That's the other thing is with turbos, you get a big little spike of, as soon as that turbo kicks in, you get a spike and you're going to get wheel spin, but they should put a curse system on it. So it actually keeps it running the whole time. And that yeah. requires an extra battery and then a way to generate some power. Right. Then I got to run. Yeah. yeah. A couple of big generate wires power through the brakes yeah. or something. And yeah, but if you only rode it downhill, but wait, no, we want to drag race them up hills. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Hey, Chris uh, Dabney says, um, try Marine tech and it's epoxy at West Marine. It held holds up to gasoline. I've, I've used that on, on boat stuff before. Um, yeah, it's like a putty that like a two part epoxy. Uh, I'm not sure. Never heard of it used on a gas tank though. On a, it's, oh, it's used on a, it's, it's to seal, it's, not a gas tank. No, not necessarily. It's to seal, you know, other fiberglass hole, you know, small holes in your, in your, the hole of your boat. And it's funny because like I've, I've seen that mentioned before also in some of these gas tank, especially, you know, when you're part of these Husaberg uh, owners groups that, you know, are looking because guys were actually sealing up the stock subframes and turning them into gas tanks right. before the, That's what I the heard 70 about, degree yeah. racing tanks uh, came around. And uh, so, yeah, I've heard that. So yeah, Chris, I'm, I might give that a try because I do have one that's just sitting there ready for some science experiments. And so, and and I, I'm seeing some of my, you know, my RFS tanks get the kind of the spider 
the 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 cracks in them and everything like that. And I'm just wondering, man, if one of those things cracks, is there a way you're going to be able to kind of, you know, keep it keep it working? Yeah, not when they get those spider cracks because they just let loose all of a sudden. I've seen had a buddy out in the desert have that go all the way out to the desert one day, and his we get there and this bike is just drenched in fuel. And oh, the yeah. Uh, tank was all spider cracked and just let go yeah you wonder you know it's 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 at that point you're like you know what what i mean what are you gonna at that point what are you gonna do i mean because usually those are 20 year old tanks right we have you know with the heat we have so much heat out in the desert and some of the bikes are in shipping containers and just probably 150 degrees inside those things not just the heat from the the motor underneath of it's producing yeah, and uh, Mark Daniel says that that stuff will work in some gas tanks, but not all can be used in, in the field for an emergency repair. I'm looking for lifelong repairs. <laughs> so, okay, uh, another question, Matt? Yeah, so from Josh uh, Kropachak. Let's see. Uh, could you ask Jimmy to compare the T7 to when he test rode uh, Peter Hansel's Yamaha Works Nevada rally bike? How would they compare head-to-head today? Interesting. Um, boy, you know what? In all honesty, the, the, I remember Peter, I have to go back because at that point I really hadn't ridden many twin cylinder, you know, off-road or dirt bikes or anything. So that thing felt pretty, pretty big and massive, you know, especially with the Dakar style tanks and everything on it. I think that the the T7, and I know that 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 T7 was really designed by Yamaha France, and 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 built, you know, kind of they built it the way they wanted, and they those guys that built it, I'm sure, had ridden that bike and had some experience with it. I want to say that the T7 would actually feel lighter and more nimble and agile, and than that bike. And we've learned so much about oh. chassis development and, and how long ago was that petter hansel bike it had to have been 20 years ago oh it was in the, it was before 2000 it was yeah. in, uh let's see it was 90 it had to be 96 i mean just the advancement 95 in chassis development that they've had and suspension and everything else yeah Produ- a production bike today is probably as good or better than jeremy mcgrath's cr250 in his heyday you know i rode just, that bike and it was one of the worst motorcycles I've ever ridden ever because it was set up to do everything that I don't yeah. like. And I mean, I mean that, that thing, you want to talk about hitting like it had a turbo on it. That thing felt like it just went da, 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 and it was meant to launch from zero to, to outer space. Right. And the stiffest fork I'd ever ridden. And uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, that's, that's a good, yeah, good analogy. But I would say, yeah, like you said, I, I didn't realize it was that long ago that I rode that thing. I, I remember riding that thing. I know exactly where I rode that thing. And because uh, on that day, I rode both the 660 single cylinder that Peter Hansel rode and then JCO, who who owned, who's the in, in charge boss of Yamaha France, was riding Peter Hansel's Dakar bike in the Nevada rally. And I got to ride them afterwards. And uh, But yeah, just it's so funny that you can like – the Harley Davidson Pan American, mm-hmm. you know, you want to talk about a big, heavy, you know, lump of lead, essentially, which is which is. Right. I mean, that's a, that's, that's a, typical for Harley. That that's a that's a uh, the words of endearment for Harley. It's not it's right. not it's not mean. That's it. But you hop on that bike and then you you ride it and you go, 
wow, it's actually pretty agile for what it is. And it's amazing that they, they've, you know, been able to figure out how to position cranks and certain things right. and get certain flex characteristics that take away a lot of the weight feel. So yeah, big, uh, big, big change uh, in, in design for sure. So any other ones over there? Yeah, let's go for another one that was in the chat for last week. It was, uh, I don't know where the name went, but uh, have a 2015 Super Adventure 1290 set up for off-road with a 1090R front and rear suspension. Do you know the resistor valves to fuel the ECM to think the stock electronic suspension is in place? I'm sick of the fault codes. Also, I did this because I needed the 30-liter fuel tank here in Labrador. Okay, so he took the, the street version 1290, not the S version, not the R and put put the r suspension on it okay that i've never heard of anyone one doing we don't have any i don't know of any dongle or anything like that to plug in to make it not throw a code yeah that's i'm I'm thinking the same thing i mean once you start getting into this electronics especially the can bus system which by the way um ktm uh, information has been dropped on ktm's 24 you know, EXC, XCW, XW, they have a lot of, they have some new names. Of course, KTM throwing new letters at stuff. Right. One of the things that I'm curious about, and it'd be interesting because we're sitting here and we're going to talk about your bike in a moment, is all the electronics. They went to, yeah. can, they went to CAN bus system. Right. They've had that. That's been out for quite a while. But. Right. On on the adventure. Right. On the adventure side of things, not really on the. Right. Not. And, well, they, they do have sort of a CAN bus system on the dirt bike. Yeah, um, it's not anywhere near sophisticated, though. It's it's I, and it's on there because emissions. It's right. this. It's 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 just a, it's just the next level of compliance is going to require um, them to be able to program certain things to monitor certain things mm-hmm. in a different way without having relays strapped all over the bike and 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 right. uh, you know less essentially less wires. It already has about the minimum most minimum amount of wires, but that and. And the other thing, so back to the question, I don't know how, uh, yeah, I mean, where, how would you find the, like he says, resistor values or, uh, I mean, you would have to have, being that we're not a KTM dealer, I don't get to go to any of those schools anymore. That would be one place you could possibly find it. Uh, when we were with the dealer, I went to all the initial EFI trainings and things. And I have a book full of stuff of different, you know, what sensor values need to be what, oh, you know, what they ohm out at and all that. But um that's the only way I would ever figure out to do it is if you in, could in get sort of, if you knew somebody in on the inside that could get you that information. Yeah, provide you with that info. Of what uh what resistor values they would need. And yeah, the new Canvas systems are just incredible because it'll probably even know that, hey, you just put a, a resistor in line. You're this, right. you know, it'll well, probably still I, throw I know, a code. I know, I know with the emissions side of things, because this is what people are doing. They're putting dongles and all this stuff on it. Like that worked a few years ago, but right. now if that thing isn't constantly changing its its it, reading, right? Its reading it has to constantly just if it's a static reading, it will throw a code. Eventually. Yeah, it says no. You, you're faking me. Right. It can't, you can't be perfect all the time. Right. Um. So you know, I'm sure somebody's going to come up with some sort of a resistor that varies the the, the reading back, right. or you know, some variable reading something. I I know I'm not a not a electronologist or something right. like that. And I don't play even play one on this podcast, but um, I, 
Yeah. And he says, I also did this because I need a 30 liter fuel tank here in Labrador. Where's where it's like uh northeastern Canada, I believe. Oh, it it's is? Like a, it's like an island off of the coast of Canada, I believe. Hey, I'm not, I'm not a uh, geography major, but okay. I I just I think, figured he invented his own country named after his dog. I think that's where they come from. Okay. Yeah, that that could make sense. Why do you need a 30 liter fuel tank? They don't have any gas stations there either. They might not. Might be <laughs> might be far and few between. I heard they only live underground most of the year and they have little beady <laughs> eyes and they can't they 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 can't come up cuz it's too bright. So maybe he's riding his motorcycle around underground there. So, um good Good on you. Hopefully we helped out with that question. Uh, is there any more in that uh, group, Matt? Uh, just a question of, do you think the YZ from Ben uh, Sharko, do you think the YZ450FX could easily be made into a decent dual track uh, slash trail bike? Decent dual track trail bike. Like a dual sport bike or? I think like moto, I think like moto off-road and maybe trail riding. Okay. I don't know. I think dual track means two track in, in trail bike. And if of all the 450s, and, and this was this comment on one of our 450 videos? Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, did he ask this in, in my expert level opinion video? No, he asked in my uh, intermediate level opinion. Inter intermediate, intermediate trail rider. Level. Intermediate trail rider level opinion. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I would say of those four bikes – the YZ is the only one that would go into like the two track just because of the transmission, the wide ratio transmission. Cause any of the other ones, you know, really when you're on the two track road, you know, you're going to want to be doing 50, 60, 70 miles an hour, at least sometimes. And in order to do that on the other bikes, you're just revving their nuts out where Yamaha, you're revving it a little bit, but not nearly as much. But if you gear the Yamaha up, it still has a lower first gear that will accept this with all the other bikes. If you start gearing them up, you're going to run into a very, very tall first gear. Not that they don't have the power to pull it, but if you ever wanted to do something slower, I don't think you're going to be happy with the with the, where everything starts out. So, yeah, that's um, – I, I would – it really, if you're – you know, looking at, you know, the, the, the more of a two-track bike, that's when you start going to, you know, EXC. Right, um, XCW. XCW, yeah, you know, bikes that have the the wider transmissions, wide ratio transmissions um, stock because that's really the the big the big advantage there. Um, if you're, you know, it's, it's all compromises at this point when you're building these kind of bikes. So, okay, that's it for our, that's it for our questions. Yep. Did you want to go into a rooster endo? Let's go into rooster. Do you want to do rooster endo? Yeah, I'm I'm already set up here, so okay. Hey, go for it. I'll, uh, before we start with rooster endo, Matt, um, yep. and we're gonna have to. We're gonna the way we watch this is we are gonna watch it on the Zoom thing. You're gonna pop the pictures up there. Yep, you'll okay. be seeing it on the on the Zoom Zoom call. Matt has our bulletproof designs product of the week or information of the week that he wanted to uh, let everybody know about. So we just wanted to let everybody know that um, Dunlop tires right now is running a, a, 
pretty good, pretty aggressive uh, rebate on tires on specifically the uh, Geomax brand, MX-33, MX-53, AT-81s for certain dealers. There's we're we're considered a pro dealer from Dunlop, and there you have to be a brick and mortar store. You can't sell them online, things like that. They're trying to help the small guys like us um, by giving us special incentives. Basically, if you buy a tire through one of the pro dealers, it doesn't have to be us; could be any of their pro dealers. Um, until the end of June, you get twenty five dollars off, or not off, but a a, a rebate card. Uh, per tire that you buy. So it's a pretty good aggressive deal. Um, We're stocked up on them for this deal. Uh, um, But again, you can go to any brick and mortar Dunlop pro dealer to get it. And they're uh, great tires and great deal right now. So what's Matt saying is come to inside line moto and get a set of Dunlop tires for $50 off. You'll get a, uh, it says prepaid MasterCard. Yeah, prepaid MasterCard. They've been running the, they've been running it for a few months now and it ends, uh, June 30th. Is, is, uh, and you have, you have till then to grab them. Okay. Hopefully from this show, all your tires will be gone tomorrow. That'd be great. Be just order a bunch more. Yeah. Line right in front of the, right in front of the door here. The, the, the 30,000 people that are, even the guy in Canada is going to dig his way yeah. out from underneath the ground. And uh, come down here to get his uh, his Dunlop tires. So, okay, Matt, are we ready with uh, Rooster Endo? Yes, we are. All right. First submission here is going to be from Brendan Springer Davis. This is a 2019 300 XCW. It's backlit and proudly equipped with the complete line of Jimmy Lewis Signature Series protection products by Bulletproof Designs. Uh, this bike is most fun to see how they start playing to the sponsors. Mm-hmm. They, they they think yeah. they're 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 gonna they're gonna overshoot the uh, semi low quality of the photo yeah i want to see i want to see the brighten up the screen on your computer there really that is my screen and my computer is this horrible photo i'm adjusting here yeah um so there's more there's more here okay so uh tusk recon tires uh he has the kind track master dot's and they also work great a chair beast tank and frame gripper guards they get ecu with slavens racing base maps FMF exhaust system, Psychra probe and handguards, tugger straps, bar and fender packs, and I can't remember that brand either. Dingo fork guards, Jimmy may have convinced me to add some fast co flex bar, bars and pegs, KTM skid plate, overpriced heat shield for the pipe, sick ass racing uh, street legal horn and light kit, polysport engine and swing arm guards, Scott steering stabilizer. Uh, you didn't mention the front discard, did he? Nope. He just said, he did mention a bunch of bulletproof designs guards. Yeah, he did specifically. So uh, so speaking of that, not that I like to you know uh, rub the rub the bear the wrong way. I'm yeah. looking at your bike right here, and you've got a really nice gold. It looks really similar to the one in on this. It one. is. It's uh it's a very heavy duty, well made product. Duty, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know you don't. I know you're not a fan of them, but you you just don't hit the rocks like us normal riders do. You know. I, so have you ever bent a disc rotor before on rocks? Uh, personally, I can't say that I have on okay. the front. Uh, my uh, case closed, but you know, <laughs> it, it just in case, right? right? Just in case, just you never know. Case. Okay, hey Tim, I think I'm going to need another uh, beer here <laughs> for this one. Um, uh, I, I'm. It, what did he say about that seat cover? This, I can't. Is, it's funny because I it think looks it's like just, it's got like a, well, it's like, like it looks a like it has a hump back. on it, but I think that's actually the mountain in the background that's oh, growing okay. out of his. Yeah, it has a. It looks like he put the 
the, the it looks like he put a sideways hump in it or something. Right. Looks a little bit awkward. It's a uh, yeah, like fender I, bag on the front is definitely uh, taken away from his headlight. Hope he's not riding it dark at all. Yeah, I got on a guy about this last week, and and and, and then they weren't they weren't happy with the my thing. It's a lot of weight up in the front. Uh, the bike. Yeah, it, it's hard to see, and it's not my computer screen. I know it's a, not that good of a computer. I'm going. Uh, boy, I kind of like that it's ridden. And right. It's in, it, at it's, least it's, it's in a good backdrop and everything. Yeah, it's used. So, it's out there. I mean, I, I got to give him a roost, especially for that front discard. Yeah, the fact that he was willing to show his discard in public, you know, like <laughs> to me, I mean, that that takes some balls. So yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go roost with this one as well, Matt. What do you think, Matt? This is Matt, the other Matt. Matt, Matt Mattoon. Matt and Vegas. The intermediate. Okay. Yeah. Uh, is he digital to you too? Yeah. yeah. I wonder bit. if that's just, I wonder be, if that's just us. It's going to be a, uh, mm. that's better. Yeah. I think this one's kind of like a, a soft roost for me just because of where like he's writing it. He's writing it. He's using he, it. He followed the instructions, right? Yeah. He followed them into a T. So this one's a soft roost for me. Okay. Okay, so it's it's a triple roost. Doesn't mean much, you know. We give away a hundred dollar gift certificate from Taco Moto. That's tacomoto.co. They have all kinds of stuff, so he could get a graphics kit for that bike, even though it wouldn't make it look any better in that photo. <laughs> next, all right. Up next is going to be from Michael Cox. Oh boy, is it is it backlit night tonight? Yeah. Hey, yeah, built as a single bike for Forest Roads two track and single track in the Pacific what, Northwest. What, what kind of bike are we looking at? Ooh, doesn't really mention it here. Right. Okay. That's, oh, that's twenty. It. it says in the subject line, twenty twenty KTM five hundred EXEF. Right. Slavens Racing, uh, Racing Springs for full figured male. Uh, Takamoto two and Power Commander five with map switch. Takamoto three hundred three thousand hour pump. Takamoto 225-hour filter, desmogged, reeds removed, recluse, clutch dampeners, Takamoto multi-purpose switch, moto-minded bomber, start slop, uh, Dango uh, designs, engine mounts, trail jammer, case guards, Promoto build exhaust end cap, ultra quiet, fastway pegs, bolt aluminum fuel 90, CPC fuel quick disconnect, uh, disconnect Gulin fuel filter, uh, seat Concepts Comfort Seat, a Chair Breeze 3.9 tank with breather, ODI Rogue Grips, Enduro Engineering Extreme Skid Plate, Enduro Engineering Radiator Guards, Enduro Engineering Case Saver, KTM Power Parts Rear Disc Guard, Bulletproof Chain Guide Protector, Dirt Tricks Counter Shaft Washer, Dirt Tricks Rear Sprocket, uh, so it's a 1348. He should have been, been running Psychra, the DDC. Psychra Pro Bend Guards and Bar st- Taps. 30 millimeter bar risers, giant loop trail rack, Ramex mount, foam mount, Garmin Montana 650, double take mirror, DIY grab strap front and rear, Moto's mountain hybrid rear, golden tire 216 XX fatty front, DIY license plate mount, Osnium, micro LED rear uh, signals, and Baja Designs XL Pro Moto minded mount, which is not in the picture. Do you ever get the impression that well, you can't claim something when it's not in the picture? Can yeah, you? well, we don't, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't cut them any slack here. But that list almost sounds as if the bike's for sale. 
Right. That I mean that list took a while to to type <laughs> out. Yeah. Um, is it is it is it does does he list the price, Matt? Does not list the price. Doesn't list the price. Okay, just checking. <laughs> um, and and he's angled the tire in a very precarious way, as almost like I always when I see the tire straight at the camera like that, mm-hmm. it's trying to hide a disc protector. Yeah, is, I don't see but, one on but there. I, but I, I I'm smart. I go to the yeah. shadow. I go down to the shadow, and I I don't see it either. So um, a horrible photo. You're gonna get dinged for the photo. The list was too long. I want. I think on some of these descriptions, I kind of want a little more. Um, uh, a little more creativity in the in the thing. So not only am I going to start complaining about the backlit photos, and by the way, you went all the way down to you know the the slick rocks of Moab or someplace way out of the Pacific Northwest to take that photo. Um, I it, it needs boobies or something like that to make it more interesting. <laughs> so I'm going endo on this particular one. And, and he's claiming extra headlight that's not on there. Right. I'm I'm gonna do an endo just because of that. You can't you can't claim say that you've got a uh, part on the bike that clearly is not on the bike in the picture. Yeah. So either this is a really old picture of the bike, or um, he's just trying to add parts he, on. The- he seemed like he had a lot of parts, but that's that's uh, that's good. Okay. Uh, next next man. Are you? Oh, go go ahead. You can vote. Uh, this one's a roost for me. Soft another oh. soft roost. Uh oh. Yeah, I just want to be a. I just uh, need to be a contrarian here. The other Matt. Yeah. Okay, got it. All right, so this next one's gonna be Greg. Let's see, was Sambroski. He he should have had flex handlebars in that thing. I'm just saying. Change this around. Here we go. Oh boy, (laughs) Greg Sambroski. All right. Okay, this what is going this, on here. This show straight up has some character. Right. I don't. I don't care about. Li- I, I. This is where is I want. Just like a magazine ad or something. You know, something you'd see. It. It looks like. What would you be advertising there if you? If you? If you did a couch. No. Yeah. Like some sort of, it'd be some sort of gear mat, mat ad or something. The, the problem is, is, is this could be this guy's house. He, you could, he could actually have a nice outdoor scene, you know, in his house. I can, you know, that's the side. I'm of my thinking screen. it's, I'm thinking it's more, almost a green screen behind him. No, it looks, it looks yeah, pretty, it, it, looks it looks pretty, pretty legit. Authentic. I like the climb gear. Thanks to, thanks for supporting our sponsors there. Uh, okay, go ahead, hit us with the bike. It's, it's a it's what year KTM 500 is it? It's like a 2012 KTM 500 uh, EXE. Yeah. How do we uh, guess this? <laughs> Blyas Racing, ECU Flash, STS Suspension Springs Plus Valving, SKF Wheel Bearing Front and Rear uh, Kit, a 90 Degree Fuel Vent, Taco Fork, Wrap Blinkers, Molecule Motorsports, Skid Plate, a Cherubis 5.3 Gallon Fuel Tank, Trail Tech Voyager, Wisco Piston Plus Rings at 500 Hours. So do you think that when he wheelied up into there, the the header was hot and it burned a hole in the back of his nice couch. I wonder how many tries it took. I could do that in one try. Well, you know, he, he looks like he looks pretty relaxed. Looks, looks pretty pro. Uh, I don't, I don't know if, uh, he says he's got, I and mean, he sounds like he actually rides it quite a bit. He's got, you know, over 500 hours on it. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I got to give him a little bit of a roost just for that. I kind of would want to ride there too. It looks like you could get pretty catty, 
Caddy Wampus Looks out like there you'd in want the a, forest. You'd want a 250 two-stroke or something, 300 and that. Yeah, 300 would be nice, but but I mean, he's also got the big-ass tank, too. Right. So he's taking the wrong bike for the right purpose. <laughs> uh, Roost, I just, yeah. just like the, I like the photo. I think, uh, you yeah. know, they took, you know, took, took it's, some. It's uh, not the same as, it's not the everyday uh, back, submission. Yeah, the standard backlit photo with right. uh, out the stuff. Yeah. Bike's ridden hard, put away wet, looks like it. That's a nice couch, though. <laughs> it looks it doesn't look really that bad to be out in the forest like this so okay what are you thinking matt yeah i think this is a roost i really like this photo really yeah. fun oh it okay, looks like he has yeah. snowboarder goggles on but and there's is there something wrong with this uh could be okay yeah. i used to have pro grip goggles with that with that rounded they, they were they were really good goggles. They had they had a curved arced lens to them. Um, really good in the dunes. All right, up next is going to be from Mike Pearson, 2016 500 EXC G2 handguards FMF Taco Assi relay tick uh, relay kit. Taco provided a TT mount goods. Waiting on the Trail Tech Voyager Pro uh, tidy tail various protection from Polysport G2 tuner. D, uh, TBT suspension, stealth drive goods, a Cherubiser 0.1 gallon tank, E-line fork guards. E-line fork guards. Oh, I see upper on the um, or the yeah. on the top, not the lowers. But the, and this is but the, this picture's out of the focus. Sliders. Yeah, it's out of focus. Yeah. That's not just your setup there on the. I on mean, the screen. I, it's kind of zoomed in a lot. If I. Oh yeah, it's it's probably out of focus. It's out of focus. Like looking at the flag, the the font on the flag is out of focus. Okay. Um, say it would have been nice to take the bike out in the scenery and uh, get a nice get a nice picture of it out there. He's got to clean up the workbench there a little bit. Uh, good thing he stocked up with water in the yeah. uh, in the you know case of emergencies. Uh, oh, back to the bike. Uh, kind of standard issue to me. Yeah, it's not nothing super special. He didn't even mention that it's a six days either. Oh, yeah. Um, extra extra special um, six days edition. What year? What? Where's that? Where's that from? That is, I can't remember what year. What Italy? Holland? Czech? No, I don't remember. Czech Republic? I can't remember what. Twenty sixteen. What? 2016. Oh, jogging my memory. I can't remember. Not Australia. No. Yeah. Um, uh, the bike didn't make it out I'm of the garage. Gonna, I'm just going to have to say an endo um, for the, the background and just kind of not. I, I like the American I mean, flag. I, I do like, like that. Like the Navy flag. Good. Probably, probably served or as a kid serving. That's, that's, that's good. Um, yeah, but didn't go. I mean, and and then we're gonna find out that we're picking on him because you know it was there's six feet of snow outside, and if you open right. up the garage door and collapse in, so he couldn't take the bike out. Uh, that that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of there. I'm kind of there with you. I mean, it's a nice bike. I'd like to go ride it and everything, but uh, want to. Well, but you know, American pride there. Look, he's even got it on the. He's even got it on the fridge. 
He's got the, the American flag in the fridge. I'm just gonna. I, I'm liking the America. I'm into it. I'm going. I'm going roost solely for that. And the bike does have red, white, and blue in it. Yeah, but it's not American red, white, and blue. No, but it's, uh, it's Slovakia. 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 Josh in the chat said Slovakia. Okay. Uh, this one's an endo for me. Out of focus picture. Oh yeah, but American flag, bro. You can't you can't go wrong. I mean, I'm sure all the Australians are going. Why is he so patriotic? Because <laughs> they all want to move up here and get cheap dirt bikes, stuff like this. So uh, yeah, um, it's just a it's a standard issue bike. But uh, yeah, the, he's selling it. He's selling it to me with the flag. So we have one more, or that's it. We got one more to go here. So let me one get more. it up here. Last okay. rooster endo of the night. I get the list up for me to read it. Last one's gonna be from some, some music. Yeah. All right. Oh this boy. is gonna be Paul C- uh, Cusack. Cusack, 2018 350EXCF custom pro circuit exhaust, recluse hammerhead uh, pegs, Scott's uh, steering dampener, a Cherubis tank, Taco 90 degree fitting, Baja Designs light. I wonder if Matt's going crazy digital for only us or everybody. Does anybody in the chat say that you start you sound like a space alien? Yeah. Uh I don't know. See, it sounds good. It sounds now. good now, but yeah, just a minute ago. Yeah, you, like you're doing crazy stuff. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna have to tune up this system we got here, Matt. Um this looks like a nice bike. You yeah. put is it in the cornfield? I really like the colors of this one. Yeah, it kind of looks like uh some sort of cornfield or something. Cornfield yeah, underneath power, power lines. lines. I'm I'm looking at the hills in the background. I wonder if they're just like that golf course, just rolling green grass hills, like uh, like Mongolia. Yeah. They say all grass, no stones, mowed by the animals. Right. And the ground looks a little bit sandy. Looks looks pretty good. Um, it's a fairly well set up bike. Yeah. What was his What was his exhaust system? Did he say? Uh, pro custom circuit. pro circuit exhaust. Custom, custom pro circuit exhaust. Yeah, it looks it looks different. I, you know what? I bet you it's custom because I wonder if they're taking. He's they, taking like yeah, SX, four, like a four fifty yeah, or yeah. three fifty SX, something like that to exhaust. Yeah, get it, get it tuned up there. I'm, I'm kind of liking. I'm kind of liking yeah. the bike. I think I think it's it's roost. I, I was. I think I would, it's a roost. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not. I like big, the picture. I like the background. It's just. Well, I don't. I don't. I, yeah, I mean, he tried at least. I don't like the, all the power lines <laughs> in the photo. That was always like a big no-no. Is it, it was power? You know, having power lines in a in a photo. But uh, yeah, I think I think uh, yeah, I'm going with roost. I mean, it's not a KTM 500. <laughs> like, That's true. What, what was every roost is a few points was, for that? Was every other bike a KTM 500? Um, I think they were. Most of them were. No, this one was a 350. Oh, yeah. Oh, this this one 350. Oh, there was one 300. There was one. Oh, there was though. a three. The first one was a 300. That's right. They, because that's, that's, I feel like I just looked at five KTM 500s. Right. Which kind of happens sometimes in Reverse This These, because when Matt um, posts this up on the, on the chat, we're looking for um, 
the rooster under submissions, it kind of goes on to the Takamoto page, which of course this is where you you have the 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 fan base for for this segment. Of course, we're giving away a Takamoto gift certificate for a hundred dollars. I am going to turn it over to you guys and let 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 you guys kind of make your picks on who gets it, who you think gets it, and then and then I'll see if I need to come in and override. I, I kind of have an idea, I think, but I've almost lost track of the of the photos. Is there a document someplace, Matt, where I can see these photos all at once? Or we don't have this currently? I can get it to you. Uh, you're going to have to do a lot of scrolling on it. Oh, boy. Um, you have to no, scroll to the bottom on this document that I just shared with you. Okay. There we go. Um, I'll dig up this thing. So what, what were you thinking, uh, Matt from Inside Line Moto, kind of thinking the uh, the couch photo, just because of the originality of it, and it's a 2012, so you know the guy could use some uh, some money for some some extra parts and things for it, right? So we can't, yeah, we definitely can't um, can't deny that he did some. Uh, he, he was he was at least creative with his with his photo. I was go ahead, Matt Mattoon. What's your uh, what's your take? Couch, couch photo, not even close. Oh uh, yeah, just because of the photo. Yeah, yeah. It couch photo. Creative. Well, it, and the same reason the other Matt said, like it's a twelve, could use some stuff, and he clearly uses the rides that bike uh, over couches. Over couches, yeah, it's not quad. Right. So do you do you know that what we're gonna get because of this is next next week we're gonna have. Yeah. It's going to be vintage bike week. Uh, <laughs> no, it's going to be ca- a bunch of guys with bikes on couches. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, hey, we figured out what, what won. Uh, I was going to pick, I was literally going to pick, I, I don't know if it was the 300. It might've been the, it might've been the 300, but I'm going to agree with you guys. I'm going to go with the, the, the super relaxed guy on the couch because, um, and that is, that's a, uh, which, what's the guy? Is it Greg or is it? No. Yeah. Greg, right? Greg. 12,500. Yeah. Yeah. It's Greg's. Greg was the winner, right? Is that right, Matt? Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a Greg. Let me pull up his name again. Greg Sam, Sambroski. Sambroski. There we go. He's got a he's got a wise cool piston. Maybe he could tell us how his wise cool piston is doing. Yeah. We we'd asked that early. So Sam, if you're listening, reach out to uh, what did he say? He said Samco or Wise Cool Piston at five hundred hours. Five hundred hours. So how many hours is he at now, I wonder? Right. That's a that's a good that's a good five oh one or is he at eight (laughs) hundred? Or 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 is his is his bike needing a gasket set and he's gonna he's got all the top end still off of it. That's why he's got it it pictured like that. Dressed up, threw the bike on the couch, you know, got a hundred dollars, hundred dollars off his next purchase over at Takamoto. But thanks again to Takamoto and everybody for joining in and supporting us in this uh in this quest to find the world's worst photo of your bike that you're trying to get a hundred dollars uh, back out of. And it just goes to show that sometimes a photo can make a big difference uh, in how we perceive this, uh, <laughs> this contest. So Matt onto your bike. Okay. Uh, what, what, what do we want to know about it? Well, you, well, why don't you just, why don't, so, so let's describe your bike. 
quickly. Well, it has a front discard on it. We already got it. We, yeah. we're, not, we're not gonna, so, we're not gonna, you really want to know anything else about it? We're not gonna dwell on it. Oh, we talked about how the front discard was nicely modified. Yeah. Yeah. So you can get the fork pinch bolts, which mm-hmm. I think is a, is a, is a big deal. Cause I know on, on the one that I, that I have, I have to use an open end wrench to, right. to get in so there or box end wrench. Bulletproof has since changed their design. That's the older design. They've since changed it to uh, mimic that. If, mm. if you see the new ones up on the shelf up front. Right. So. But they're still not made to fit the cone valve fork, so that took quite a bit more modifications. Yeah. So, so when when you went when you went uh, out to get the tacos, we started your bike multiple times, and mm-hmm. it starts every time. Starts right up. Well, it's in its it's in its home right now. You right. Know, it, we we pushed a lot of different buttons in different ways. The different kill switches. Right. Fl- fl- played around with the key. So, gnarly canyon. Yeah. Just stop down there. Shut the bike off. And shut the bike off, waiting for everybody to, you know, kind of catch their breath and whatnot. Yep. Didn't even turn the key off, just hit the kill button. And that was it. That was uh, the last time she wanted to start that day. Um, ended up me and a couple buddies pushing pushing it for about a mile and then uh, hooking it up to a tow strap back to the truck. It's kind of put my tail between my legs and, you know. You, so that day, on that day, you were that guy. I was that guy that day. I fully understand. I've been that guy many, yeah. many times. And being the being the owner of the shop uh, with all my buddies and everything, you know, definitely can understand the amount of, uh, you know, just I wouldn't say hate, but uh, you know, no, it's not hate, but not okay, hate, so but ridicule. I, I would, okay, I so 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 word. so bike stops working, and it's like okay. And, and like when you, you asked me when I walked in, like, Hey, what would you think? And I said, relays. And that was, you said, that yeah, was the I first thing you went to John it. Yeah. That was one of the very first things. Yeah. yeah. So switch, switch the rel- relays around. Right. Cause the there's a few, there's a few relays in there that are not so critical. And there's one or two that are critical. So switched them all around and no and change. So when you're pushing on the starter, it's starting and turning over. And the it's, reason I'm it's cranking. Yeah. The I, reason I'm deep diving into this is we had a guy last week on the show. I wish he was, it was, he was in there because I was hoping he'd kind of found out what his problem was. And so, so you changed the relays. Didn't, didn't change the problem. You're still not getting this, the, the fuel pump to kick in. Right. Turns over, doesn't start. Then what was the next thing you did? Um, I mean, I, I, Started with the, the basics, the relays, um, checking all the grounds, obviously, because that's what everybody says to do. And we've seen that be a problem on many bikes coming coming through the shop that for whatever reason, especially with the lithium batteries, it seems to be a, a bigger problem than with the old lead acid batteries, um, that the grounds have to be absolutely perfect um, for the bike to run. So none of that was was the issue. But usually when the ground isn't connected, the the the... Started as usually when it's not a good when it's not a perfect ground the starter will not turn over or it'll be really weak uh, because the starters obviously take quite a bit of amperage to turn. Um, Went from there, just you know, started swapping parts. I swapped tanks with you know because the fuel pump wasn't kicking on. So my buddy on a KTM 450 uh, XCF took his tank off, put it on my bike, nothing, no fuel pump. And the good thing about those so, things is the tank swap in like two minutes. Yeah. It's yeah, really, easy, really easy with the quick connect fuel filter or fuel lines and stuff. Um, after that swap, um, I had had a, a, a minor tip over earlier in the morning said, okay, maybe it's my tip. My uh, uh, rollover switch right. has gone south. 
swap that with the bite. No, hey, I think uh, I think KTM has a new marketing person. I was telling Tim about this earlier. Uh because they they released the 2024 supermoto bike and one of the features is a tip over switch. Okay. Yeah. It's like it's been on pretty much every right. Yeah, it's been on every fuel bike for bike. a long, long time. And they decided that they would tout that as a yeah. thing and like how, like when is this a new feature or right. something that we should really oh, this is great. I mean, maybe if they had a racing one, you could actually turn it on or off or something like this, because a lot of race bikes do not have them because they don't want them to run off. Right, because it's one more piece to fail. Right. Um, so, yeah, obviously that wasn't bad. I pulled, popped the headlight, checked all the ignition wires, um, you know, everything, everything you could think of on the trail. And then I got to the point where I said, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to start taking, you know, I needed a piece of wire to try jump to jump the uh, fuel pump off the battery to get it running. So I cut out one of my, taillight wires just to use as a as a piece of wire right uh to figure out no and got the fuel pump kicked on it was running still nothing no crank um so that's when we basically well, it would it would, it would crank it would crank over. i mean it, it would crank, crank but not start yeah but not start and Correct. this is interesting because this is with the fuel pump running uh and so, so you would suspect that it should at that point correct work. You would hope that it would, but um, but you found out why in a certain sense, right? Found out why here back at the shop after just doing some deep dive into it, and found out that the fuel pump ground actually goes through the ECU. So when you power it directly to the battery, the fuel pump, it no longer grounds through the ECU correctly, and Therefore, the ECU doesn't sense that the fuel pump's on, so it doesn't it's allow the bike to spark. Yeah. So, and this is this is where this is where I like it. You know, you have a good mechanic that knows. Okay, here's a couple different things to try. And I, 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 I've heard of people trying to jump the fuel pump. Just a lot of times, they just they just. Well, it's common to do it. Like I know Taco Moto sells they, a, a fuel pump, the kit, jump kit to to transfer, to transfer fuel, fuel. Um, which that's all fine and dandy, but the bike will not run with that. Cool, correct. Yeah. So now we know this. Right. So that's not gonna, that's not going to solve the problem. So we were starting to talk about something else, and this is what I had, had suspected potentially on um, the guy's bike last week was that was that one of the very small, delicate little wires on the wiring harness, which is you know right. you want a super light bike, you're going to get super light wires, and you guys have experienced this before, where the outer sheathing on the wire looks fine, but somehow the right. inner the inside's been we, inch we've done broken. it. We've had bikes come through here, especially right there at the steering head where the uh, wire harness constantly is in, in a state of motion every time you turn the bars back and forth. Um, and we've had guys with similar problems, bike quit running, can't get it running, brings it to us. And we we found multiple, I mean, we've had a guy's bike where I've had to replace or repair six, seven wires in that bundle right. that, um, that you can't tell they're broken when you cut the sheathing away, but we take a a heat gun and just put a little bit of heat to the wire. And as you tug it, it just pulls right apart because the white, the copper strands have broken inside, but the actual insulation of the wire is still holding it together. And, so. and on this, I would like to say that last week, I think I misspoke because I, I thought that the, that the 
we'll call it the fuel injection side, ignition side of that wiring harness was the inexpensive one. No. But it's the real expensive one. It's, it's the, the lighting, real expensive. It's the lighting yeah. side. The lighting side, which is, controls basically your lights, your your turn signals, your headlight, tail light. That's an inexpensive. And, yeah, and that plugs into the main harness, uh, and that is a relatively inexpensive, about a hundred bucks or something. But the the main harness on this particular bike, a KTM four fifty five hundred EXE, is somewhere in the neighborhood of four 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 fifty. Right for a wire and, harness, and so it would be a lot easier to 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 chase it down. But right. since you're started, either if one of those wires is broken, they're touching back together now. Right. Or yeah. Or we or, uh, or maybe it was just a present in your presence. It just wanted to. Uh, I scared it into starting. Yeah, because I spent a few minutes today on it, and by golly, it started right up and and then runs, you know, uh, started and stopped it, started and yeah. stopped it. And I'm gonna so. go with the, I'm gonna go with the like you said the wiring thing. The bike's way too new to have that really happening, but you never know. There right. could be there could be a batch and uh, and well, and like you said, just the tiny. I mean, they're like twenty four gauge wire, I believe, is what they're using so nowadays. How many, in how there? many little strands of copper do you think are in there? Not eight? many. Yes, eight, ten. <laughs> yeah, not very many. It's, yeah, and it, it would it wouldn't it really wouldn't take much. And you think about it, you know, you could just kind of maybe one time drop the tank down and hit the wiring harness and it gives it a good stretch or a pull. Right. But uh-huh. most of the time it's, it's that the problem up by the steering head. And I thought I had alleviated mine by just kind of moving things around, eliminating a bunch of stuff. I've eliminated most of the wiring on the lighting side on that thing, aside from, you know, basic headlight tail light. Um, but so, yep, so, so, so there you go. Even awesome mechanics are not immune from, all right. Their own bikes going bad, but their bikes take a lot of abuse. But, but like I always tell people, it's like, how do you get to this experience level where you guys are at from making mistakes and learning from right. it? And, and I, it was just interesting to, to after kind of me just, we'll call it digitally diagnosing the problem and then kind of seeing a very similar problem. And that's why I got really interested in it. Right. And that's why I wanted to kind of take a deep dive and, and I'm still curious. And, and one of you two has to report back to me when yeah. we find out. Oh, yeah. As soon as we find out, because I'm not done. I'm not gonna, just going to bolt it back together and and cross my fingers and hope it's good. I'm going right. to keep dissecting it. And, you know. Yeah, yeah, if like, it, okay. So at this point, it starts, it runs. You could just bolt it back together and you could take it riding tomorrow. Right. Would you? I could. I wouldn't go very far or, you know, from the truck with it. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, you, you may have to do this. Correct. If you can't find, you know, I always want to find out exactly what it is. And and then, and then okay, once I figure out what it is, like, why did that, what co- what really caused that? You know, what was right. the, the, well, the reasoning right. behind it? Absolutely. Well, anyways, I'm glad we got to pick on you for your, 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 your bike. I, I'm, like I said, thoroughly confused. But at the same <laughs> Me time, too. I, I don't understand why it all of a sudden started today. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just, but just, when when things magically work again, that bothers me more than right. Like, you know. Oh, I, I I would have rather found something that you know was a massive catastrophe on the bike, to, but at least known the problem. A goof yeah. up, yeah, or not even a goof up, maybe, but just a part failure. Hey, this failed, and it failed because of this. It it it's not a good thing when it doesn't you know when you don't have a, a reason right um so uh michael cox says man you guys are hard to please oh is he one of the guys in yeah. the in the, i think he's talking about rooster endo or, or, or beating up on our our host for the show tonight <laughs> um let's see and worldly rider says do riders have lower testicles on average 
what compression shorts best prevent this? Um, <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. You, hey, we get all kinds. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really can't answer that. And answer each their that own. Thing. Yeah. There's a, there's a different show for that. Um, uh, maybe Matt Mattoon has a, has a show for that one that he's working on on the side. I don't, I don't know. Uh, very interesting. Why Matt's bike failed. Uh, it just, and the fact that it just, well, it was like, running perfectly. Yeah, when it shut yeah. off, because right. if if a wire would have broke, would that have made it shut off? Yes, it should have. It, right? it would. Yeah, if the right wire, you know, if depending on what the wire that broke is, but but yes, if it's something on the ignition related side or fuel pump side, yes, it would. So another thing. Here's another thing. Um, so I had a bike that had an ECU failure. And I think I talked about this last week also. I had one bike that had it that literally had an intermittent ECU failure that was very weird and hard to diagnose. Uh, OEM ECU? Yes, OEM ECU. And that's why I, I noticed yours has a Vortex on it. And I I think there was there was something with the Vortex ignitions, and this was a long time ago. This is back in 2015. There was something that they had a had an issue with but i think it had to do with more with one of the switches that plugs in okay yeah. that, that was and you don't have the the switches plugged right. into it so yeah you never know um i mean we've seen one or two over the years of the of a factory ecu go bad where the bike it the bike ran but it ran terribly and, and we chased our tail for a while figuring trying to figure out why does this thing run so bad and finally we plugged so in a different switches, ecu yeah. and think boom right but we've never seen a vortex ECU go bad. We've never seen a get go bad. Um, yeah, they're all all pretty good. And like yeah. I said, one or two over the years of the Kate of OEM. Okay. Well, we're learning in the process of learning. Anyways, I want to thank everybody for joining in. If you want to support us, uh, like I said, you can go to Dirt Bike Test. If you want to learn about all the off-road 450s or not all of them, uh, four of them, the Gas Gas, the Honda, the Yamaha, and the Kawasaki, uh, check out the videos that are coming. There's a few more to be released. And I want another thing I wanted to talk about is like why we, I mean, we kind of picked a winner and we did rank them just to show you how everybody ranked and picked them. But that's why we have the videos up with individual preferences. And I just uh, want to point out that uh, my video has more views than anybody else's. I wonder why I'm, I'm going to bump it on social media. I'm really good at that. I'm going to put it on my Twitter books. And uh, so everybody will watch that one. Don't watch Matt's intermediate level video. Cause you only want to watch professional ones, right, Matt? Hey, hey, the top comment actually was saying that uh, this guy was saying that I represent probably 75% of the population who's actually going to be buying these bikes. So. You know what? You know what, Matt? They're absolutely right. And you're in, you know, you're, like I said, your take on motorcycles is probably your take on them is probably a lot more relevant than a lot of what, you know, we, you know, what us pros think. Mm -hmm. But we just have what we have is a little bit more experience in breaking the bikes apart, you know, taking and explaining stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Anyways, uh, check those things out. Uh, there's lots more stuff coming. I've got, I finally got my exhaust system for my WR450. So I'm going to be doing a little bit of tuning and uh, getting my video done for that. Um, I should probably put this picture on the internet of me eating spam. Uh, it's a memory on Facebook. Uh, so anyhow, uh, 
thanks to Inside Line Moto. Thanks yeah, to Tim. Thanks. thanks to Matt here for letting thanks me inside for stopping the, by the shop. Uh, if I was in the Orange County area and I couldn't diagnose my bike, I'd bring it here. It's uh, there's no doubt about it. And I do. I actually Tim reminded me on when I was out in the desert one time with a, a, a ailing KTM. Who did I call? Yeah, you guys, because <laughs> I knew that you had experience with these kind of things and you could you could fix it. So, uh, really awesome to uh, kind of get back and see these guys. And uh, with that, uh, thanks to you, Matt, for figuring out how to push all the buttons um, yep. on your your side of the the border over there in Nevada. Yeah, no problem. Uh, we will. Uh, and with that, um, for Matt, for Matt, and for Tim, I'm Jimmy Lewis, and we will uh, see you out in the trail. So, cheers, everybody.